for you. Yes. Because you are confusing politics with governance. Yes. You are, you are assuming that the purpose of politics is to deliver development. Yes. It is not so. Mm. It can deliver failure. You understand? Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, you can use power to create state capture. And state capture is a phenomenon in which a few people look at the resources of the nation and meet behind your back, outside of your podcast, and say, Maker, yours is Sanfara Gold. person was actually with the person who has articulated that model is actually article mm. because he believes in it fundamentally. Mm -hmm. That why don't you dispose of the University of Ibadan? And that's who will leave us alone. Yes. He can pay them. Yes. We are not their employer. Yes. This is our problem. <laughs> So, Tinubu will produce state capture. You understand? Mm. Hello, and welcome to a truly special episode of the Offside Musings podcast. It's truly special because, for the first time in the life of this podcast, we have a guest. And not just any guest, we have a truly distinguished guest. And so today is special in so many different ways. We have on today's episode, they, by popular acclamation and recognition, the most outstanding historian of African origin, the most distinguished historian studying Africa, and it's our delight on behalf of my co-host, Emeko Nyagwa, to welcome Dr. Toyin Falola. Dr. Falola is the Jacob and Francis Sanger Massacre Chair Professor in the Humanities and a Distinguished Teaching Professor at the University of Texas at Austin. Professor Falala has written or co-written so many books that is a scandal to count. Professor Falala has to his name, I believe, something in excess of 200 titles that he's collaborated on or that he has written. So this is in every, by every measure, an extraordinary achievement for a scholar. And Falala has taught in universities in the United States, in different parts of Africa, and indeed in other parts of the world. He is a widely invited guest lecturer, keynote speaker at international conferences on Africa and beyond. So it's 
our particular delight um, on the Offside Musings podcast to welcome you. If we wanted to do honor to your introduction, uh, would actually spend the first hour of this episode doing that. So we're going to crave um, your permission and forgiveness to leave it at this very brief introduction of your truly spectacular scholarship. But it's our delight and happiness to welcome you, Dr. Falola. So um, on, this, on January 1, you celebrated your 70th birthday. So as scholars come, given the measure of your achievements, you are actually a young man. <laughs> um, and I believe that um, a few of your admirers and fans and colleagues, through a surprise online birthday party uh, for you, could you begin by describing that experience to find out that you have been honored? By the way, I was invited to join and I was looking forward to it, but then I had a conflict at the last moment, so I wasn't able to be part of that celebration. Could you describe what it meant to you? Thank you. And I will respond by saying that in the context of um, demographics and age ratio, I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> Of the set that we started the civil service jobs together after our first degree, two of us are left. Mm. And of the set of my primary school, four of us are left. Mm. And in the last three weeks, I've lost three great friends. Ayolu Kochung, the journalist, I'm older than him by a few months. Ogunkamea older than him. And yesterday, this historian at Benway State University, we also lost him. And I'm older than him. So in the context of where we find ourselves, if you turn 70, just know that it's a miracle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to give me testimony. Yes. <laughs> I have to pay your time. Yes. <laughs> so preceding that event, I wrote an essay, Meditation on Nothingness, mm -hmm. which circulated widely. Mm -hmm. And the core essence of that meditation on nothingness is that what does it mean? If you are 70 and you have an individual success with your nation and your continent and people are not successful. So what then are you celebrating? Are you converting yourself into a unique miracle? <laughs> mm. And then ignoring what you see on your left and right and behind and in front of you on the streets and houses, people begging for food. As you go and buy the brandy to celebrate yourself, 
Or you pretend you do not see teenagers selling handkerchiefs and banana and peanuts mm. on the streets. And as you celebrate yourself and you tell yourself, okay, my three kids have university degrees. And so what? If you find an 11-year-old girl with four pieces of oranges on a tree, and you pass that girl by, what does it mean when you compare that girl with your own three children? And in that meditation on nothingness, I said, look, it doesn't work. And I didn't want to do it. In fact, the ceremony I knew on that day through premium times. Because when they call my wife, my wife told them, if my husband knows, he's not going to show up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like somebody I knew. <laughs> but when you showed up and I saw people and looking with the messenger, I said, let me just be calm now. Yes, yes, yes. Calm. <laughs> and as it was going, my wife slipped a note from my son based in New York, asking me to smile. He said, oh. <laughs> Show something. <laughs> Show that you're happy. And then I began to, to flow along. Yes. But if you look at the mix, it's a mix that will make anybody happy. The young mm -hmm. and the old. People who are the ages, who can be my father, people in their 90s, people of my age and people who are younger, and the various testimonies. So uh, at the end of the day, I was very happy. But the greater surprise was awaiting me because that event I was in Lagos. I live, I split my time between Nigeria and the U.S., I believe Nigeria is livable. Mm -hmm. I don't just say it on paper. Mm -hmm. I split my time there. This year I'll be living more in Nigeria than in the US. Mm -hmm. I've always been doing that, no apologies. <laughs> uh, because it will be a contradiction in which all what I do every day is to write about my place, my people, and my country. And I say I will not be able to live among them. I'm sure if Achebe did not have that car accident. That's true. No way he would not be living in Usuka. That is true. And Shuenka lives in Nabeokut and things like mm -hmm. that. I would not be able to justify it. Spending 12 months in the U.S. and complaining there's no electricity. Let me go and experience it myself. Mm -hmm. In December, I went to the village where I used to be in the 60s. Mm. And I stayed there for three days. No electricity. Mm. It didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I bet I bet that in the sixties there was little electricity there. It not even exist. And the mosquitoes came. They did their normal songs. Yes, I sang. I sang along with them. <laughs> And we, came, we, we did communal food, 
My emotions were restored. I had a balance that New York or California, London can never, never produce. Mm -hmm. And and that organic interactions keep me going. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you, you are a literary person, you are a creative writer. And you know without that organic experience, the words will not, the words That's will true. not come. The proverbs will refuse. That's right. The experience becomes diminished. Mm -hmm. That's true. And this organic connection, uh, if, if you track the writing say of Achebe, for instance, I think, by the way, I just completed a book on it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, which is different from what you people write because I, I'm, I'm locating his creative writing in specific historic moments. Mm. You understand? It's yes. Kind of yes. Yes. How does a book speak to the nation? Mm. In other words, I turn all his books into an archive, mm. which is not what you conventionally do. That's, that's true. Literary appreciation. Mm -hmm. And you could see when he began to live permanently here. I think he wrote, and his last one was Antils of the Savannah. Antils of the Savannah, yes. After that organic experience, mm -hmm. as it disappears, right? Mm -hmm. Began to produce a new kind of writing. Mm -hmm. So that by the time we, we got to, that was a country, mm -hmm. that becomes an anthropology, an ethnography. Mm -hmm. Mm. You understand? Mm -hmm. We will not describe that in line with arrows of God. Arrow of God, no. Mm -hmm. Which is a work of imagination. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. There was a country was is what I do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So it's just now took over my own profession. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it could as well convert there was a country, right? Into a story. Mm -hmm. That's true. But that story will be very difficult based that um, bad and later based that brown. It, mm. it won't just flow just mm -hmm. as no longer things was flowing. Yes, yes, yes. Writing that kind of novel in Lagos on Sukkah. Doing the fight on campuses, mm -hmm. doing the fight with your colleagues. That's right. Doing the arguments, reading the daily newspapers and, and shaking your head at what's going on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yes. Thanks for the question. So, um. so, um, to sort of stay a bit with the uniqueness of, of your biography, um, I understand that um, when you were born, you actually, your particular birth date was not recorded. So that in a sense, you produced yourself yes. um, by choosing January 1. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a symbolic kind of choice because January yes. 1 is the beginning of a year yes. and the beginning of a turn and so on. Could you speak to that, how you came to that choice and what does it mean um, as a being who is one of the most 
treasured intellectuals in the world. And because um, I remember reading, uh, of course, it's a different kind of experience, Frederick Douglass's narrative. Yes, yes. And Frederick Douglass talked about how uh, the African captives who were brought in this country were deprived of their birthdays, that the plantation owners made sure you did not know your birthday because this was one way of stripping something essential of your humanity. Of course, in traditional Africa, we did not have birthdays in the conventional way that the West does. Um, so can you speak to um, that experience of not knowing the specific day of your birth and how you came to the choice of January 1? Thank you. So you live in a surveillance society. So over the years, the West has constructed a surveillance society. And a surveillance society, you must know the date of birth and the date of death. I'm from Ibada. If you go there and say, how many people died last year? Nobody can tell you. No. Because it's not a surveillance society. That data is totally irrelevant. I told you he died last year. What do you what do you want to do with the months he died? Yes, <laughs> and the date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what we do with the data in mm -hmm. the surveillance society is mm -hmm. different with what we do with the data in a non-surveillance society. Mm -hmm. Because what counts, because they actually count the dates. Because they have to, because you you come from an age grade society. Mm -hmm. Yes. Igbo is an age grade society. Mm -hmm. You may not know your specific date of birth, mm -hmm. but you are not a member of an age grade that is older than you. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and of course, age, age grades are in my hometown are arranged in. Um, three year spans. Yeah. So people born within a three years. So, and it's very interesting because when we have a meeting, uh, they say to you, okay, you go and bring the beer. You are there on the lower, yeah. lower end. You, know, you're, you are our boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if we broaden this conversation, which we should broaden mm -hmm. for purposes of understanding, Many people in my generation did not know the names of their dad. Mm. And they did not know the names of their mom. Mm. Mm -mm. I think, I think it will be straight. First of all, it's straight. You can't call your dad or your mom by your dad. By their name. Nope. So we did not actually know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Todd, remember, it's an Anglo-Saxon tradition to have a surname. It's true. Yep. It is. We combine, say, the Yoruba, the Uriki, with your mm -hmm. first name. Mm -hmm. And you see part of what happened when they were trying the recruitment into the police and army. Mm -hmm. They would say, what is your name? You say, it's Amado. What is your last name? You didn't answer. So where do you come from? Say, Shinkafi. So you are Amado uh, Shinkafi. Shinkafi. <laughs> <laughs> The head of the army, Sefawa, that is the mm -hmm. name of the town. Mm -hmm. 
the current head of the Nigerian army. Hmm? He's from Sifawa. What town? Near Sokoto is a town. Wow. The guy who used to be INEC, Tairu Jega, that's mm -hmm. the name of his town. His town, Jega. Wow. Tiau Shagari. Shagari is a town. It, yes, yes. I mean, Kano. Kano is a town. Is a town. Yes. What's your last name? You don't answer. So you are not, you are, you are the son of the prophet. Be, yes. Yes. So you go to a lorry. There's no house without Belo. Mm. So wow. there's a proverb. How do you, how do you recognize a Belo in a lorry? When one third of the city is Belo, Belo, Belo. Yes. <laughs> so, so this is even bigger than when you were born. Mm -hmm. And you could see, in my own case, we are three last names, depending mm -hmm. on who you speak to in the family. There's Adedira, there's Akiola, we are mm -hmm. all the same. It mm -hmm. depends on when they ask you the question. Mm -hmm. and then we extended to Republic of Benin, the Falola in Kuta, never go there. We are blood we're families. Wow. We are just the same family. Mm. Mm. And then last November, they made me a chief of the guard. Oh. Yes, I mean me. Mm. And as we are tracing the Falola, the king, we now have people who reorganize their name among the heavy. Yes, we in Ghana. Mm -hmm. It's mm. not still the same family. Wow. That became so. Now, when you come to the date, my own is different from what came later in Affidavit, in which they're changing the dates mm -hmm. in line with civil service regulations. Yes. Which people were doing. Mm -hmm. Because they enter primary school at the age of 12. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> yes. So they cut six years out of their age. <laughs> and you yes. know, one of the presidential candidates, Tinumbu, nobody knows his actual age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think one of his daughters is not too far in age. From him. Yes. So, <laughs> so, in my own case, luck is on my side. My father became wealthy and he became a prominent, a prominent member of the St. James' Church. And they gave him a prime lot at their cemetery, which is still there in Okebola. When you enter the cemetery, which they keep now, because there's no more land to bury anyone there. Mm -hmm. It has become an historic archive. Mm -hmm. You will see his tomb there, James Addition of Falola, mm -hmm. died May 1953. Mm -hmm. So that settles the problem for me. I was not born after May 1953. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
On the eighth day, when they give you names, in many African cultures, people give you names. Your parents will give you names. Your neighbors will give you names. So I collected so many names. Now it's the name you use for me automatically signal to me what side of the family you are. Okay. Yes. And yes. So because my mother's side gave me names, my father's side gave me names, and the Muslim side gave me names. I am Ibrahim. Oh. To the Muslim side of my family. You understand? Mm-hmm. They named me Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Wow. So, I can be going on the street and somebody will say, Ibrahim, Ibrahim, it's me. Yes. <laughs> but, I'm a, but I'm not a Muslim. You understand? Yes. Okay. My grandfather called me Abiodu. Hmm. Abiodu is somebody that you born during a festive season, which is usually a seven-day interval between Christmas and the New Year. Yes. Even now, if you hear people called Abiodu. Abiodu. Hmm. Yes. Very rarely would they use Easter. Mm-hmm. Very rarely mm-hmm. would they use Easter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they usually use Christmas or the New Year. So that means I was not born in November. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is really fascinating archaeological work. <laughs> yes. And then I had brother because I, my father married four wives. Mm-hmm. And my mother, I don't have any full brother or full sister. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was the, the firstborn of my mother and the lastborn of my father. Hmm. The three other women produce kids who are older than me. Um, the one born before me who died during COVID, I know his age. So, and I cannot be older than my brother. <laughs> <laughs> so the margin, of, <laughs> the margin of error will be by months, not by yes. years. Yes, yes. So it, I could have been born December 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, mm-hmm. 1952. Mm-hmm. But I'll be on your hands when you finish your chicken and rice mm-hmm. by the first or second Sunday of January. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because huh. your plate of rice and chicken. Yes. You can and you are born, you can no longer be a again. <laughs> it's ended. <laughs> this is really, really, really. I did the work myself. This is really fascinating. Yeah. As you know, oh my I, God. I, I, I got a question for that, right? So, yeah. 70 years ago, with all due respect, um, how, yeah, yeah, very, in this era, yeah, the, um, preeminent historian for Nigerian history, in my opinion. Um, African. African history. Yeah, preeminent. Um, um, I was, I'm going to eventually ask a question about the Kennedy School and how that relates to you. But in terms of, in, 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 in 
70 years ago, how wide, widely was the adoption of um, the Judeo-Christian calendar okay. in Ibadan at that time? So I have to broaden the question for you. I was born at the moment of great transitions. And I'm very pained by contemporary Nigeria. And it pained me for a different kind of reasons. First of all, we were poor. Every, the majority of Nigerian populations in the 50s were poor by this current standard. You understand? We used to joke that a car cannot kill you in Ibadan. We were playing soccer on the main road. On the main road, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was called, then you fuck your game. And you, are, you resume your soccer game. Yes. How <laughs> many cars were there? <laughs> the city was very clean. Because when we woke up, the first thing we do, we did, was to clean. And when I tell people that the city was environmentally friendly, they think I'm making it up. Because there were trees in many places. Yeah. And this is not even an Ibadan phenomenon. Mm -hmm. There's no part of Nigeria that I've never traveled to. Even if you go to a place like Yonsuka, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's the valley or the mountain, in spite of the destruction of cutting trees, you still see the vegetation. That's true. You understand? They're still there. The, the, the organic beauty is still there. As you drive from Enugu to Onsuka, you can see it. And the city was like that. So we had that relationship with the environment. So we're able to do things. But that transition, in line with your question, is that nothing was resolved. Because you, you can't frame your question as if it was resolved. It was not resolved. So, we were worshipping Shango in my compound in the 50s. Nobody complained. There were Muslims in the family. Nobody complained. My grandfather married a Muslim. She was playing five times a day. I saw it. I lived with them. It was only during harvest and festivals that he followed the pastors went to church. Nobody was complaining. <laughs> you understand? That ecumenism, nobody was complaining. So, during the Ramadan, I joined people to play for 30 days, music to wake people up, to go remember to fast. And they will give us signs and give us food. Nobody was complaining. You understand? And the masquerades will come out. And nobody stopped the masquerades from coming out. Yeah, yeah. And I, my house was near one of the most powerful masquerades, Ululu, they call it. Mm. Nobody was complaining. You understand? This came much, much later. So that grounding in religion 
Christianity was spreading, but it was now grounded in opposition to Islam. It, it's not, you know, there was no Pentecostalism of mm -hmm. this variety. Yes. That was the Aladra movement. Mm -hmm. So nobody was saying, don't be Catholic. And do you know, Muslims attended church with us. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. We celebrated Ramadan with them. So with what do you do at Christmas when you make your food? Are you going to give the food only to Christian? No. You give the food to your neighbors. That's right. Irrespective of their religion. Mm -hmm. You understand? And, and if somebody was going to Mecca, which was a big event, mm -hmm. they, you know, they would do this big party when they were going on edge because you may not come back. Mm. And people didn't come back. You know a place called Dafour? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, the four is mainly Nigerians who are stranded on the way to Mecca. I'm coming back. Yes. Really? Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> there is a huge Yoruba community in the four, yes. Because <laughs> okay. so are not treated as Arabs, you understand? Yes. So you are going to, you know, the trans, 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 it has, the western roots, the central mm -hmm. roots, and the eastern roots. Mm -hmm. So Mansa Musa took the central route mm -hmm. in that famous pilgrimage. Yeah. But there is there is the eastern route, the area we are we now call part of Central Africa, mm -hmm. a Chad. So you have two. You have two options. You could go straight, and if you go straight, it means you are passing through. Modern Chad, modern Niger, mm -hmm. and you are going up mm -hmm. through Tunisia, Algeria. You understand? Mm -hmm. But you can make a detour to your right. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. The area where you now call the Kanuri, you move mm -hmm. southwards, it ends in Sudan. Mm -hmm. So people going from areas of Lagos walking. The area we now call Southern Nigeria, New Libya. Yes. When they go up, they realize if, if they move to the right, mm -hmm. it allowed them to minimize parts of that big Sahara Desert mm. and join the route that the Queen of Sheba took to see Solomon. Mm. Mm -hmm. Our people, their sense of geography was extremely developed. Mm. Extremely rich and developed. Mm -hmm. Because what that did was to reduce your crossing the desert. Mm. And you now join the Horn of Africa, right? Yes. Where they were taking prostitutes and slave labor as far back as Veronic Egypt. Mm. The areas you call Nubia. Yes. Nubians, yeah. mm -hmm. You are going to run out of money. Mm. Mm. So as they ran out of money, no problem. They stayed in the fall. Wow. And those who were able to go further up on coming back, they ran out of money. Mm. Because you need you cannot make that journey. Even today, mm -hmm. with Africans running to the Mediterranean, mm. you cannot make that journey at once. Mm -mm. You, have, you need to stay different stops. Mm -hmm. And that fall became 
economy. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, to go back to your question, that journey and you announce you are going to Mecca, you know you are not, you are not flying. Mm. You know you are walking. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. All the Christians will come mm. to that ceremony. Mm. All of them. Wow. I'll give you money. Mm. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Mm. That was that ecumenism. Yes. Of the 1950s. Mm -hmm. But issues around capitalism were not resolved. Occupations were not resolved. Mm. University education was not treated as mandate, mandatory. Mm -hmm. That came mm -hmm. later. Yeah. Of all the people who ended in primary school, way, only two of us even went to high school. Wow. There was no need to. Mm -hmm. You because could get a job in the civil service. And, no, and occupations. So, yeah. Occupations. Yes. Mm -hmm. I learned occupations myself after leaving primary school. Mm. I became a bricklayer. I became a butcher. Mm. Because we did not denigrate occupations. Mm -mm. You know, today, it is today you now say you don't want to be this, you don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. You just want to go to university, even mm -hmm. when a certificate is very useless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in the 50s, nobody would, and even a woman, mm -hmm. who is talking about you go to, go get married. Yeah. <laughs> As soon as they see your two breasts, mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So the, the, that moment of transition affected what you call religion, society, occupations, and values. Mm -hmm. hmm. Thank you very much. So let me ask um, a question about there's something. I think um, unique, I'll use that word, unique about your scholarship. Um, when you look in the West, when you look in America, in Europe, in Asia, um, most of the African intellectuals who are prominent in those spaces had at least some of their education uh, outside of Nigeria. But you, you, you've risen to the top of your profession with credentials, academic credentials that were exclusively obtained within Nigeria. And that says something powerful. Um, I, I don't know if you can speak to that experience and how that shapes your pedagogy um, and shapes your relationship with your students and colleagues in America, as well as your relationship to, to, to Nigeria. Correct. The starting point, the role of communities, mm -hmm. which we have vacated. There was a school in Eastern Nigeria. Is it a tumor here? That if you look at the staff list, it's like what you now call a private university. <laughs> is, that, is that government college, Omar, here? Something like that. Government okay. college. There were mm. PhDs teaching there. Mm. 
in which communities were embedded in the way those students were educated. Molusi College, where I did my high school, the first principal was Taishulani. Before I went to create his own school, Mayflower, mm -hmm. the Yabu people built that school. Igwelerin, <laughs> mm -hmm. which produced the head of Nigerian civil service in the name of Afolabi Dapo, close to the village where I said I stayed in December. The community built it. Lagelo University, the community built it. You can keep mentioning this and the names. Olivet, the church built it. Mm -hmm. And they build them with a lot of integrity. Mm. And with a lot of dedication, all of them. Mm. And they were constructing the mm. universities attached to regionalism in the spirit of federal competition yeah they were very serious universities whether mm -hmm. it was zaria whether it was unstuka whether it was ife they knew and consciously said they will create excellent universities i've read some of the papers mm. they do exist the visions were to produce intellectual workers for the nation, the nations that they imagined. One may criticize them for days on end. You can criticize as the way the way you like. You can criticize Allah the way you like, but you cannot say they did not have vision. Yeah. Indeed, the better example is the Sadauna. Mm. You can say Awolowo had a degree in law, Zeke was, had degrees, was an intellectual. Amadou Bello finished at high school. Mm. Then his intellectual vision of that high school education was far more expansive than everybody who followed up until Bwari. <laughs> Go to Zaria and look at Samaru, look at the land mass, look at the vision of agriculture and education and everything. And look at Ife, in spite of the decadence mm. of the infrastructure, mm. you will marvel. Go to Unstuka, as I've done many times, and review the programs that they put in place. How can you be taught by Adele Afibo? Mm. You will not even pass. As he was so tough. Mm -hmm. Indeed, I think he was produced only one PhD in, in Rafunjuku. Sorry. <laughs> not not Rafunjuku. Yes. Who? No nonsense. No cheating. You get an F, you get an F. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yes. <laughs> so... The dedication of those early teachers, early, early founders, 
those of us who benefited from that education 60s and 70s before structural adjustment yeah everything was good mm. so remember the tradition of Western examiner my final year papers were taken to School of, of, of Suez and Birmingham. These mm. papers were being shipped abroad for grading. Mm. Mm. You understand? Mm -hmm. Yes. Not that I now endorse it that we should be shipping papers abroad. Mm -hmm. We've gained our independence. But that training, the dedication of the teachers, I think it was at par. And teaching by books. Mm -hmm. And then in my own case, I was I now was so lucky. They posted me to government college, Makodi, mm. which later became a university. Yes. The library was the best in the state. And they put me on on campus. I was living there and I went to the library. And I saw books I've never read in my life. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I began to read books and read books. And, so I actually read more books. During hmm. my, my years as a youth copper than in my, in my undergraduate years. Hmm. <laughs> Because I was just reading the books. Mm -hmm. I, was, I discovered all the classics in African writers. Mm -hmm. I was just reading them. Yes. As soon as I finished one, I would rush to the library, get another one. So that on top of that good foundation, I also did what we tell students to do. Build yourself up. And I discovered my talent in what you now call journalism. Mm. We're not calling it journalism. I began to write for newspapers mm -hmm. as a youth copper. Mm -hmm. New Nigerian, mm. Daily Times. I was just writing for them. Yes. Uh, and then I took a diploma in journalism. You know, you could do a standard degree. I, these things are gone. There used Co to be. Correspondence. Yes. Correspondence courses, yes. Yes. The post offices were good. Yes. In fact, you know, I did GCA level. I spent two years in high school. I did my exam as an examiner. Wow. I didn't, I didn't finish high school. I Ooh. was a high school dropout. Wow. So, but through those wow. Wow. Level, <laughs> yes. I had a diploma in journalism. I mm -hmm. took a diploma in salesmanship. I took a diploma in marketing. Whoa. Because the, the, the mailing system was very efficient. It was. It was. Not, not anymore. <laughs> and I, I remember, I don't even know how mail in Nigeria is, you know, gets circulated. It's it's crazy. You, you mean today? Yes. Today. today is far more efficient than than um, UPS. It's far more efficient than FedEx. Oh, the, the post office? Not the post office. The mailing system. How, how, what is it like? <laughs> is it by Okada? <laughs> it is the most efficient thing you ever imagine. Yes. Hmm. And I tell people, human creativity mm -hmm. is 
boundless, endless. It has no frontier. Yes. See that downfall, that boss, mm-hmm. that carry people. Yes. They carry mail. Yes. Yes. Wow. If in fact, yes. in wow. fact, I do know that you can send something uh, to any part of Nigeria on a bus. You know what they call luxury just buses. Go, just go to the garage. Mm-hmm. Yes. With a box. Yes. Yes. Just pay the driver. Yes. Give the driver the phone number of the person who's going to collect it. Yes. And the yes. person collects it at the garage is faster than that, that's, the person would deliver. That's right. That's priority mail. Mail. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's entirely out of this necessity that has become, as I said, the mother of invention. An informal sector that yes. is extremely efficient. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Mm. There, there were there were there were a lot of um, 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 very esteemed people who um, people like uh, Rotimi Williams, Chief Rotimi Williams. He went to uh, external system law. I believe mm-hmm. his brother as well, Akintola Williams as well, did the same thing. Um, City Guild in London, and it wasn't at that point in time. It wasn't just the name of mm-hmm. going to London. There was a certain level of academic rigor. Mm-hmm. that was associated with that, mm-hmm. um, which is something we're finding out was actually um, probably maybe even higher for a school set up in Nigeria. Because when you go back and read the British writings, um, even if it's Lord Lugard, Margaret Parham, uh, Floral Shore, and their intentions, they wanted more diluted schools in the South. And it's not to be controversial, right? They wanted more diluted schools in the South. They had some schools they had in mind that were going to be top-notch. Um, Hope Wardell, King's College, eventually Queen's College. Um, then in the north, they had Barawa College. Enzo producing the vast majority of the leaders from the north. So it's it's amazing to hear that they intended for these schools like, um, well, at that point in time, the vision by whoever for the, what people call the Great Affair, which you went to, um, and the um, University of Nigeria, Suka. University of Ibadan, then University of Lagos um, afterwards, that the vision then was that they were going to create very well-groomed, top-notch, top-notch, top-notch graduates. Um, that's, that's an amazing, because I, I, I mean, hearing it from you, you know, just put it in, in context, is like, okay, well, that makes well, sense. But they did. And look at the Esther now. We need a book on that. Akindele became one of the richest Nigerians. Mm-hmm. He yes. had a degree. The man in his 90s who was a university at Adwekiti, the distinguished... Uh, no, the, the, the lawyer? Oh, that's a, 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 a Adebayo, right? No. no. Well, oh, is it, it's not... Um, it's a lawyer. Is, the university is named after him. Yes, yes. Is it... Um, Oh my gosh, it's not a Labisi. No, no. Um, he, he took his law degree as an Esther now. Yes, yes, yes. Olani, it's not Olani Beko, right? Oh, no, I'm no, fairly fair leader right now. Uh, that's, no. Um, Babalola. 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 Okay. Yes. So that was a tradition. So the, okay. Until 1948, and subsequently after, everyone wanted a university degree. The options were limited. Mm-hmm. You can do it as an Easterner. 
Yes. Which some people did. Mm-hmm. There were people, there were people who collect, collected BA, they would say BA this, BA that, but they didn't leave Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you could come to the US, people like Azik, Banda, and Kuma, mm-hmm. and go to historically black colleges. Yes. Or like Awolowo, you could go to UK, mm-hmm. which you did. But look at the trajectories. Parts to Nigerian freedom. Mm-hmm. Would you believe that it was written by a student? It's amazing. Would you believe that it was written by a second year student? Yeah, it's amazing. But the, but the foundation of language, especially of grammar, was very well laid. Mm-hmm. It was very well laid by all those missionary schools mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in which they were teaching this language yes. in a highly professional manner. We've lost that. So at what point? So yeah, that, that's that's the follow-up. So at what point, how do you trace the the trajectory of this decline that that whose consequences and effects uh, we are living through now? And what are the factors that produced it? And when did that start? Very good. I do not know whether you read No Longer It Is. Yes, of course. Yep. Because, and the way he set it up is it's, it's very brilliant. You move from an organic community, mm-hmm. right? Yes. With interest in citizenship, in mm-hmm. development, in youth. Mm-hmm. And it takes just one person. Mm-hmm. And with a community history around him, mm-hmm. and then he began to use the degree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a different community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, and he crashed. Yes, yeah. yeah. The question was that crash inevitable? And I will explain it very carefully because of your audience. Mm -hmm. Writing in, Franz Fanon anticipated some of this crash because he said, why give power to this elite? Mm -hmm. He saw it. Mm -hmm. What um, Daddy Gio we now call prophecy. (laughs) (laughs) when Nkrumah noticed that they were stealing money mm-hmm. and they were fighting he called a meeting and said, why are you fighting? This money is like an elephant. Mm. And when an elephant dies in the forest, everybody goes with a knife. Mm. But you don't go back home empty. Mm. <laughs> mm. There is something for you to cut. Mm-hmm. And they began to cut the states. Mm. And they began to cut state resources. Mm-hmm. Did they have an option 
not to do that. No. Mm-hmm. So, track the trajectories. Let's start with the African American society. Mm-hmm. Let's start in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Blacks in the U.S. Mm-hmm. After the American Civil War, and they began to produce free black people, mm-hmm. what could you do if you want to accumulate wealth? Zero. Mm. They promised you 40 acres. And the mule. Which they did not deliver. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Suppose you wanted to become rich. They said, okay, let's go back to Syria and Liberia. Maybe they left, some left. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, some people made money from the industry associated with the head because blacks historically and today, the head is the most important object of the body. Mm-hmm. Not as in the artifacts of the head that we praise, but in the imagination of aesthetics. Yes. Black mm-hmm. people spend a lot of money on their heads. Mm-hmm. Their face, <laughs> their hair. Yeah. The Ori, and then yes, and then <laughs> some people began to say, "Okay, let's make money from the head." Yes, and some did, but notice carefully that without the money for Black Americans to inherit, they broke into wealth from sports and entertainment. Yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. You see Oprah Winfrey. And it was the power of the television and its syndicated media that could deliver what you do as a golf player, as a tennis player, to millions of people that brought that money. And talk of my Magic Johnson, Hakim Olajuwon, mm-hmm. the truth. Tennis superstar sisters. Yes, the Williams. You know that spot. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about entertainment. Mm-hmm. You understand? Why? Because there were there was no foundation of wealth. The best foundation of wealth is to inherit money. Mm-hmm. I would not be here. Mm-hmm. If you son. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If only not to embarrass him, he will cut me a check. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, now go back to Africa. Mm -hmm. When the British accused Azikwe of creating this bank and other things, they wanted to create a scandal, they negotiated. Mm. Suppose we wanted to make money. In the 50s, as the Europeans were leaving, they already blocked you because the biggest investments belonged to them. And next they gave to the Indians, next they gave to the Lebanese. Remember, by 1960, I think Nigeria had 
two biggest millionaires. Everybody is a millionaire now. Mm -hmm. Myself. Because <laughs> if I convert $5,000, you become a millionaire. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ojuku is a millionaire. Mm -hmm. That's the Ojuku's dad. Claim on you. Mm -hmm. Not stolen. Mm -hmm. From transport business. Yes. And subsequently, Okotiebo became a millionaire. True. And a, and a courier. Because they were using to connected to contracts and bribe to finance the political party. Suppose now you needed money. You could only do so via the state. And that began the journey of what I call bureaucratic corruption. The Nigerian model of corruption is bureaucratic. There's corruption in America, but it's not a bureaucratic cor corruption. It's a corporate elite corruption. You understand? I'm a professor. If I want to steal money, okay, but where is money for me to steal? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. it on the table? Yeah. So, professor, I need a new computer. No problem. Mm -hmm. Go to the computer store and pick it there. Yes. Oh, professor, we'll put it on your table in two days. Yes. I want to go to Nigeria. Go to the university travel. It's an invoice. Yes. And yes. collect your ticket. Yes. But those who stole the computer to me. Yes. And the agent, <laughs> all these companies, they can cook the books. Yes. Me as a professor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you get the product. I, I tell myself, when people ask me, if you're a minister, you're not going to steal money? I said, do you know, at the age of 70, I do not know whether I'm a thief. Even as I'm talking to you today, I don't know whether I'm a thief. Why? I've not seen money to steal. <laughs> It's getting late, right? <laughs> so the odds of seeing it. <laughs> now go back to that bureaucratic corruption. You give them state power in the fifties. Mm -hmm. They saw the budget, <laughs> and yeah. they began to tap into it. Mm -hmm. But the danger of bureaucratic corruption is that it is too democratic. Mm -hmm. Corporate elite model is a privatized form of corruption. Mm -hmm. Do you want to steal money in America? Okay, no problem. First of all, go and establish a business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And look at all the regulations to sell your hamburger to the army. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. $20 per piece instead of $2. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
in the case of Nigeria, it, it is a successful democracy of corruption. The school teacher, the professor, the post office person. You, you want a passport? Okay, you go to Abakaliki, there is no form. Yeah. It's a form in Enugu. You go to Enugu. Yes. The form that is free is 150,000 Naira. Mm-hmm. Who collects the money? Somebody who finished from the University of Usuka mm. who wants to send his own son to a private elementary school. Yeah. Mm. You want the passport? Okay. Pay for it. That, that's, that's democracy. Mm. And on the way from Abakaliki to Enugu, the police will collect his own share. Are you allowed to Enugu? Yes. If you say I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give the police his share. Collect their own share. The custom will collect his own. The police will collect his own. The professor will collect his own. The elementary school teacher will collect his own. And, and so we've lost control of that process. Whereas emergence began in the 50s in terms of how you've governed a place for so long or there were no investment opportunities, no wealth accumulation opportunities. These are children of farmers, nothing to inherit. Yeah. What did Awolowo inherit from his father? Nothing. Mm-hmm. What did Zeke inherit from his father? Nothing. Nothing. I'm a passenger. Ah. As soon as they got that state power, and then greed and greed over the years now follows. So that whether it's the governor of the central bank or the president of the country or the minister, everybody understands that the primary purpose of power is theft. It is interesting because there are all kinds of ideologies in terms of, I call them ideologies, I don't know, that people put forth like it's tribalism, it's um, um, neocolonialism, it's this, it's that. Um, the way, I, I believe the way you just put it, like the continuation of um, handing over power in, you know, making corporatism governance in one. So everything is in the state is what leads to, essentially what you're saying is what leads to all these other branches that seems like um, tribalism. Because even if you say it's tribalism, it's like, okay, is it, are all the Igbo people enjoying this or are all the Yoruba people enjoying it or all the, you know, you... Actually, most Nigerians cannot be corrupt. Mm-hmm. Even theoretically. Yeah. You can do small things like if you buy Gary, they take a handful out of it. Yes. <laughs> they can do all those. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but don't you... Don't... Don't you feel it's in greed? No, I said. So you're speaking to the factor of access. You need access. Access. Wow, okay. which, is, which is quite why you have said that you don't know because you don't have access. Access. So, so if you're a farmer at Ogidi, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
want to break the rod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money. So what we, yeah. Is the local government created next to your house to steal the money there? Mm. What can you steal as a father? So, so let, let me, this is really um, quite intriguing, this, this analysis that you have made. And I'm wondering then, uh, because one of the things that we try to offer on this podcast is, is a sense of the way forward. So given what you have de defined as the peculiar character of corruption in Nigeria and the ways in which corruption is democratized in Nigeria and has become bureaucratic in, in, in its, in its uh, uh, nature, and, and operation and so on. What strategies are there? Privatize it. Privatize it. So um, describe it. Describe it because I think that also you know when you spoke to this efficient dis uh, mails distribution system that you described, which became privatized and then it works. And Nigerians can also see it in the airline sector, for example. I remember when in Nigeria, it was a monopoly of the Nigeria Airways. You would buy a ticket and you'd have to bribe to get a seat on the flight. You know? And it happened to me quite a bit. And then now you have a number of airlines available and they actually beg you to come buy their tickets and their services, essentially. So are you saying then, that uh, a capitalist uh, formation is the answer. So, why are you saying you want to totally eliminate corruption? Mm -hmm. Because that's not possible. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, there are certain things that theories cannot produce. Mm -hmm. You cannot produce theories of zero corruption. Mm -hmm. It is just going to exist on paper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because human beings are agents of self-destruction. Mm -hmm. mm. And among that self-destruction is a component of greed. Is it every human? Is it? Are you talking about... Human beings self-destruct. Okay. I, in some ways, you can argue that's how we're programmed. Mm -hmm. We self-destruct. So how do we account for historical progress if we are programmed toward self-destruction? So is there, is there a countervailing yes. uh, impulse towards self-regeneration and self-enlargement? We call it incentives. Okay, incentives. So if you put your car on the road, mm -hmm. and the road is good, and you can see five miles ahead, mm -hmm. and you see 65 miles per hour, mm -hmm. you are going to run 80. Yes, yes. The reason why you don't do that is an incentive. Yes, a police officer. Now, most time they won't catch you. But once they catch you, mm -hmm. they will punish you. That's an incentive. Mm -hmm. So traditional societies function well, efficiently, mm -hmm. based on two concepts, guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Shame you see, guilt you don't see. Mm -hmm. So shame is 
you violate community values. Mm -hmm. They they put you to shame. You understand? Mm -hmm. Well, suppose they don't catch you. Mm -hmm. Your guilt will kick in. Mm -hmm. Because spirituality, religion, the gods and the goddesses will now begin to pursue you. Mm -hmm. So you go to bed and you dream a witch is about to kill you. <laughs> because earlier in the afternoon, you had sex with somebody else's wife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then you go to an abali. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You confess. Yes. Make some sacrifice. Yes. That you can sleep well. Yes. So, so when you eliminate guilt and shame, we now substitute them for Western institutions. You understand? Mm -hmm. The Western law, the Western judicial system, the Western punishment. Mm -hmm. And in doing it that way, there was a time when the incentives were respected. But by today, nobody know, no one respects those incentives anymore. Some people will tell you, why don't you steal one billion? Go and hide it. They will put you in prison for three years. Uh -uh. Three years will fly in three minutes now. Mm -hmm. And then you come <laughs> out and you enjoy, you become a, a big chief. <laughs> the importunization the factor. Mm -hmm. so, so the incentives have weakened. But when I say privatization, privatization is a concept that says that why don't you create an efficient entrepreneurship and bureaucracy and allow the few people who manage that to steal your money? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because they are delivering services and products. And then, in combination with your power elite, they criminalize corruption, and then they punish those who want to join them. Wow. <laughs> wow. You understand? So they, so they limit the span of participation in the business of corruption. Yes, the but, king who killed you for adultery. Yes. Is in the story of David, yes, who looked outside his window, committed mm -hmm. adultery. Yes, yes, the biblical story, yes, could have committed adultery. Yes, but he was saying, Look, I'm a king, I can't mm. commit adultery because there's nobody, yes, higher than I. Yes, yes, cannot commit adultery. adultery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a Chinese model, you mm -hmm. understand? Yes, that's true. So the members of the highest bureaucracy mm -hmm. in that privatized corruption, mm -hmm. they can have a bank account in New York. Mm -hmm. But as you, as you go lower mm -hmm. in that bureaucracy mm -hmm. and they see that bank account, yes. you know what they do? Your they head do. is off. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Your head is off. They that... will kill you. Yes. Understand. Mm -hmm. So you can say, okay, Dango, tell you are building a refinery for us. 
we allow you. Mm -hmm. But your staff, they will go to jail. Mm -hmm. uh, how we are going to arrive at that will depend on how the entrepreneurship model becomes more and more successful. Mm -hmm. you, may not, you may not like Obi Kubana, mm -hmm. but you know he generates wealth. You understand? Mm -hmm. You may not like the guy who produces cars. In a Newe, in a Sanchukoma. But you see the objects that he produces? Mm -hmm. He produces car. Mm -hmm. What is wrong to say, okay, Central Bank, I will give you access to dollar mm -hmm. because you're producing cars and you're employing people. Mm -hmm. And you are, you are maximizing productivity. Mm -hmm. And we see the results. Mm -hmm. And then Elijah wants to use that money to marry a third fourth wife. He said, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to allow you to do that. Yes. But am I saying something that is profound? It is not. Mm. The aristocracy that developed Japan in the 20th century, they were, it was corrupt in the 19th century. They reformed reform itself, went into production, became centers of technology, and they left that corruption behind. So what, what was the incentive, initial incentive for them to say, was it for them to say that our form of corruption is too, is unproductive as it were, so we need to, we need to make it more, to become efficient in delivery of services and goods so that we so, can sustain this model of corruption. So one year, mm -hmm. 22 trucks were missing in New York. Mm -hmm. Government-owned trucks or yes, private... Collect garbage. Yes, yes. I think eventually they realized somebody was using them to carry some drugs and dead bodies and things like that. Mm. If twenty, if that same year, if Mali lost those twenty-two garbage trucks, mm -hmm. all the streets will be dirty. Mm. You understand? Mm -hmm. One time, a university not far away from us lost twenty millions to Enron mm. wow. on electricity. Mm -hmm. But they paid everybody's salary. They paid what? Everybody was paid their salary. Absolutely, yes, yes. Very good. If they stole that amount of money in Gambia, mm -hmm. you will not be paid for four months. Mm -hmm. So, it is not just only for a state to be corrupt. There must be two elements mm -hmm. which are missing in the case of Nigeria and African countries. Mm -hmm. What is this absorptive capacity? Because you have to measure the absorptive capacity of corruption. So Asu says, give me this amount of money to revitalize the investors. Mm -hmm. But the accountant general stole more money than they were asking for. Yeah, yeah. You understand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you accumulate the money they were stealing, mm -hmm. it's so much that Nigeria lacks that absorptive capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, if they steal that amount of money, 
in the U.S. Everybody will still be paid. Yeah. The middle class will still remain. That's right. That's one. Mm. The second, okay. You know, there's honor among thieves. Thieves mm -hmm. are not equal. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, what do you do with this stolen money? That is the second variable. What do you do with the stolen money? If you use that stolen money to create an industry, a manufacturing business, a poultry, a school, you understand? You are, what you have done is to transfer that money to the state and you are spent to yourself and you are spending it on behalf of the state for precisely what the state will use that money for. At any rate. You understand? Mm -hmm. You are a good thief. It's <laughs> 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 not so bad. <laughs> but if you now take that money, right? Which they now in Abuja, as soon as you take the money, you convert it to dollar. Because you cannot be carrying four Ghana must go. Mm -mm. Four Ghana must go, convert it to a briefcase of dollar, hundred larger bills. Mm -hmm. And you ship the money outside of the country. Mm -hmm. You've done enormous damages to that country mm -hmm. because you are not allowing that money to work for that country. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. You are denying the use of that money mm -hmm. for productivity, yes. for wealth creation, for job creation. So you can say, okay. I cannot stop people from stealing money, but I can not allow them not to take the money outside of the country. Mm -hmm. Through a process of banking regulation. Yes. And I can work with my international partners and say, if somebody from my country has an account of two million in chase, in Boston, mm -hmm. can you please let me know mm -hmm. and let us know where the money comes from? That's right. Mm -hmm. Or within your banks locally, you can say, okay, just as they do here, can I just go to my bank and put $1 million there? Mm -hmm. They will come after me. That's true. What is my salary? Where do I get the $1 million from? Mm -hmm. So you can create a policing system internally. At the very minimum, what does we do? We allow the use of that st stolen money mm -hmm. in some kind of productive manner. Unless you want to put it inside your house. Yeah. <laughs> which they also do. Which they do. And then some, 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 some rodents might get to them and some of your domestic staff might have their hands on them, and then that, in fact, redistributes the money or directs the money. <laughs> so, so wait, there, there, there is something that you touched on here where um, it's, it's, it's talking about the current um, capitalist system that we have in Nigeria and how, you know, I'm just trying to summarize, you know, in terms of how, okay, this is how we, we, we probably would be better off if we can get to this point, which I'm sure you're going to get to. But even as you get to that, there there will be 
there's another point where I sit down and I'm like, okay, prior to the coming of this capitalist system, right? We didn't have that in Africa. Um, and I'm wondering, okay, is that better? When I say is that better, we're thinking of, for instance, land ownership wasn't a thing. Um, you, you came into Africa, you had exactly what you were talking about in terms of communal guilt. You had a communal guilt. You had, um, um, you know, it was bestowed on you in some degree. Well, all these titles that used to mean something, you were a chief in Ibo land or a, a, you know. Um, and I think it's very, it's something you've chronicled in some of your books. It's something I, I just had the, um, this thing I've, I've read on um, 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 Professor uh, Ronke, but that's a much wider thing in terms of invention of woman. That's a very... It's also very the epistemology of um, um, Yoruba culture, which I think is very similar to Igbo culture in so many ways. It's it's now that are we talking about are we trying to merge what is our culture? Because I was also going to get to that eventually in terms of linguistic um, um, thinking, how how the absence of our linguistic language also affects our outlook. And when I say that, I'm, it's a lot of grammar, but in absence of of thinking in our languages, how it affects our outlook of, of life. You know, people being able to just sit down and I know people think of it like I was talking about it with okay yesterday, like I got you know so many things together, but you know I'm a school teacher. <laughs> All apologies. So I will I will Take all the fragments, and I will shock you by starting with, forget the present. How many Igbo men or women did you know traditionally who ended their lives very wealthy? Who? Traditionally. Traditionally. That's what I'm accumulating. Remember. Okonko, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they're asking you to take titles. You know what a title does? Mm. Do you know what a title does? Financial financial responsibility. No, it takes your wealth and it, wealth it, 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 transfers, it transfers something honorific, symbolic to you in exchange. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's one way of maintaining the Republican ethos yes, in society. You you, they you don't understand. want you to threaten society with your wealth. <laughs> So they so, say, we're going to call you a buefi. You keep <laughs> a lot of cows. You feed the community. But the community has taken your wealth away, stripped you of, of much of it. And then they give you the side. That, yeah, that, that, that's a far better way to put it. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say financial responsibility you can't get away from. But that's mm -hmm. a way. <laughs> you, know, you know, you start all over. So they always approach me. And do all of them, or you are laughing. Come on, become a chief. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> because it has serious financial consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your entire I have a friend who became a chief at Abeokuta. It cost me hundred thousand US dollars. Mm. Understand? Wow. You are starting all over. Understand? It. It encroaches upon your investments mm -hmm. upon your savings you understand mm -hmm. 
So in creating that egalitarianism via title, mm-hmm. right? Multiple titles mean you are starting all over. And you could see the anguish in Okunku, mm-hmm. how this whole apart was structured. Mm-hmm. It's important to understand that element very carefully mm-hmm. that what you call lack of or existence of capitalism was mediated by various variables. First of all, everybody had access to land. What you did not have access to was labor. Mm-hmm. You cannot get labor, 18th century, 17th century, except you multiply your kinship. Absolutely. How do you multiply your kinship? You give potency to polygamy. Mm-hmm. Understand? Mm-hmm. But polygamy has been exaggerated. Mm-hmm. They tend to assume that all Africans were polygamists. It is, who told them, I don't know, because it's not true. Mm-hmm. The mechanisms of polygamy were so complicated. Mm-hmm. Today, it is easier, Mika, for you to take a second wife, mm-hmm. because that is just the relationship between you and Jane, mm-hmm. your second wife. Mm-hmm. But suppose you must have in loss. Suppose your second wife has four brothers, three sisters that you must send to college. Mm-hmm. The father of Jane needs a Mercedes Benz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the father of Jane needs to go to a hospital. Yes. <laughs> you will tell yourself mm-hmm. you don't want to. Yes. Understand. Mm-hmm. Polygamy means you're expanding your kinship at a cost to yourself mm-hmm. that you must bear because there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, Africans, we do not approach relationship from what you call love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are many African languages where that word does not even exist. Mm-hmm. The substitute is called responsibility. That's right. You can't say you love your wife, Emeka, yes. and the mother died, and you have no money. That you explain it so well. Concept of responsibility. Yes. Not everybody can become polygamist. <laughs> but the the point they miss over and over and over again is that for you to take a second wife, it offered one of the biggest challenges to any man. Should you use that money for yourself? Mm-hmm. Or should you use that money for your son who must marry? Mm-hmm. Your, your resources are limited. Mm-hmm. Your son is already 20. He can have his own house. Mm-hmm. You've already given him his own farm. Mm-hmm. He needs a wife. Yes. So the money you had 
Do you want to use it for to get your own third wife? Mm-hmm. Or you want to use it for your son yeah. to get his own first one? Mm-hmm. Do you know it's very, very agonizing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very difficult decision. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not oh. be able to... The mother, <laughs> the mother is saying, please, use this money for my son to get a wife. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Your mother's junior wife is saying, go and marry another wife mm-hmm. so that I can be going to the market and become independent. Mm-hmm. I'll free myself. You put it so well because it, it, it's it's there in your books. You put it so well. <laughs> these are these are European inventions. Yeah, exactly. Because they exaggerate this number in terms of ratios. You can't just walk into a village and say. I want to marry four wives. Mm. The women have to be there in the first place. Oh, mm-hmm. as European anthropologists will say, you want to buy. You want to buy another. <laughs> you put it so. And, and for for those who have who want to go in depth, uh, I forgot the name of you had you have that book for those who the women that want to. Uh, Professor Oyeronke Oyewumi has a fan. phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. book or something like. It's there is the misconception where she talks about it. Okomi in yeah. Yoruba. Okomi is not a, it's not singular. It's not, it's not in philosophical, it's not relative. It's, yeah. it's collective. <laughs> it's for, it's for a whole compound. You are the wife, you know, African societies are structured on um, age grade, like we touched on earlier on, which is kind of weird because even when um, modern scientists talk about it, they talk about three year gap between children is the ideal thing. But we already had that long before they, they agreed. They, they, you know, so it, it's like when we're like, look, there is a whole concept. So you can, you can, it's, it's, I mean, the way you explain it is, it's oh, phenomenal. Oh, now, comes a, now comes a bigger issue that people don't talk about mm-hmm. in relation to both democracy and capitalism. We mm-hmm. call it convention. Mm-hmm. Conventions. We've not studied conventions adequately enough. What we do is that we study constitution, mm-hmm. European derived. Mm-hmm. I can, I've written constitutions for two countries in my office here. Mm-hmm. You can write a constitution, mm-hmm. you understand? Give yourself a week. You can create a country and write a constitution for it. Mm-hmm. I was asked to write a constitution for one country, and they said they want to set up a team. I said, please don't waste my time. I will give you the draft. Go and give the draft to your team. And you can ask me questions. You understand? Mm -hmm. That is not difficult. Mm -hmm. But there's what we call convention. Mm -hmm. Conventions are beliefs, cultural practices, you understand, that are not written anywhere in any constitution. They're not written down. Mm-hmm. But those conventions affect what you call democracy and it affects capitalism. Mm-hmm. So that you can't just go to say, I'm going to Harvard Business School and go to Nigeria and be telling them test books. Mm-hmm. It is, you are going to be confronted with absolute failure. So let me illustrate. 
One day they asked Obasan, you are you a Christian? He said, yes, but not from the waist down. Yes. <laughs> so, remember, the Chief Justice, Atiku, Obasanjo, almost at the same time. Right? Mm -hmm. I think the three of them had almost a hundred children. Only God knows. Only God knows. You understand? Mm -hmm. That's a convention. And when Monica Lewinsky and Clinton, they were making a lot of noise, Africans were saying, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Can you deny the president of a country mm. the luxury of a girlfriend? <laughs> that is very, totally absurd. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. But that is a convention. Mm -hmm. Right? The convention in the U.S. may say, don't do that. But can you, can you be in Asu Rock, a woman walks in and worry guests just take her to the guest house and say, this is not a crime. Mm. If you establish a business in Lagos, please don't listen to any advice they tell you about the salary. Because the day the mother of that staff died, you are going to fund the funeral expenses. That's right. You understand? That's right. If he falls sick, you are going to pay for the hospital bill. Mm -hmm. If he gets married, you go. You find a letter on your table mm -hmm. that you are the chair of the occasion. Yes. <laughs> you know what that, they're telling you? The financier. The financier, <laughs> you, you fund it. <laughs> Listen carefully. Yes. If you like, keep paying that person every day nonstop. The day you don't meet any of that responsibility, you are an evil man. That's true. That's true. That's you are true. Weak. That's true. That is convention. Yes. One day, on my mother's side, they call a family meeting. Mm -hmm. And I went. <laughs> And it, they praised me and they did everything. And they said, the purpose of this meeting is for me to formally announce the monthly salaries I'll be giving to my siblings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why not? <laughs> said they're not as successful as you mm -hmm. and the reason why they're not as successful as you is that you took the destiny of four people yes and you stole the destiny of four people <laughs> <laughs> destiny yes and you are using the destiny of five people yes four of which are not yours yes <laughs> as your salary yes hey. yes consequently i hold them this is a meeting, oh. Yes. Like a destiny chief. <laughs> I'm not fair of permissions. <laughs> oh my God. That's a convention, you understand? 
the president of Nigeria cannot call the governor of Central Bank and say, I want three million US dollars in my house by tomorrow. Mm -hmm. He will say yes, sir. Yes. And deliver. Who gives monkey banana? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and deliver. Not only will he deliver, he will add something. He will, have, he will steal five. Yes. Deliver three and yeah. pocket two. Two. That's right. Uh, yes. But by the uh, way, it happened during Abacha's regime, right? Yes. Abacha uh, would send to the central bank to, to bring hundreds of millions of dollars, which he kept, you know, yes. and will give to settled traditional rulers and so on who came. And once the head of state did that, then the central bank, not just the governor, but the staff, the senior staff, will, will be taking their own. Yep. You know, so you set up a convention where that sort of thing is allowed. And, yes. and in fact... That's a convention. <laughs> and this convention runs through how we manage all institutions of society. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yes. Whether it's the university, whether it's the bank, mm -hmm. it, that is conventions underwrite virtually everything. everything. But you can't keep a big man waiting. Yes. Okay. So so now that this is this is brilliant analysis, but I'm sure that you also agree that certain conventions in Nigeria, forget the Monica Lewinsky thing, which a lot most Africans found silly. Okay. But let's look at that convention where a head of state can send for the central bank governor to bring in millions of dollars mm -hmm. and no questions asked. Yes. Obviously, these, those kinds of conventions uh, have ruinous consequences for, for the country. Correct. So how do we come to a moment where we, there's general acceptance of that the, you cannot do that, that you can't do that and you shouldn't do that, and that those sorts of conventions must be nipped in the bud. Your constitution said you can do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the convention says you can. <laughs> yes. So, 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 I don't know whether you follow the work a bit of current governors. They live in Abuja, basically. Yes. There's even a governor in Nigeria, as we speak. He stays three days in his state. Mm -hmm. When they ask him, why do you stay three days in your state? He says, in the age of the cell phone and WhatsApp, why do you need to go to your office? Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. See how the Constitution defines the role of a governor. Convention has turned a Nigerian governor into an emperor. Yes. The Nigerian president into a, into a god. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those are conventions. Mm -hmm. the, the, it is not written in the constitution, constitution. Nope. that the governor is an emperor. Mm -hmm. And see how democracy mm -hmm. has been bastardized to say that, thank me for building a road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for paying salaries. Thank me for paying your salary. Mm -hmm. your own, that's your job. Mm -hmm. And you now do a, a one-mile road and you lobby the president of a country to come and commission it. Mm -hmm. You understand? 
I don't know whether you've had the opportunity of visiting a Nigerian governor. Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> Mecca and I were just discussing. <laughs> yeah. It can take you three days. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can take you three days. You are going to find 50 people. Whether he's walking into his car, people are walking along with him. Mm-hmm. He's walking back into his car, in his reception room, in his office. So that governor... Like in Nigeria University Vice Chancellor, mm-hmm. does not even have five minutes mm-hmm. to develop any vision. No, nope. The, the, the mistake people make in Nigeria is that they are confusing politics with governance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are not the same. Mm-hmm. We have politics, but we don't have governance. governance. We have politicians, but we do not have managers. Mm-hmm. Because governance is far more difficult than politics. Mm-hmm. You understand? Politics, you are just talking and talking and talking all day. Mm-hmm. The, the governor of, um, of most states, they spend more time resolving conflicts among politicians yeah. than the very work they are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, because governance, governance does not actually require that democracy that we keep talking and talking and mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. You, do you need democracy to build roads? No. Nope. Do you need democracy to build electricity? Nope. Do you need democracy to create jobs? Nope. What you need is governance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that you can approach that governance from democracy if that is what you want to do. But you can also approach it from bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. You can approach it from selection. Mm-hmm. You see. The, the woman that wins a beauty pageant in any community is actually not the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. She's just one of the members that compete and the most choose one. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. In the kind of democracy we are practicing, we've eliminated good people. Yeah. We've elim- eliminated technocrats. Mm-hmm. We've eliminated non-corrupt people. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. And we find ourselves in a situation in which you do not know the choice to make. Mm-hmm. If, if you put two people down, you're from your state, vote for this governor that I don't know whom to vote for. You say there are three presidential candidates coming, I don't know whom to vote for. Mm. Not that I have the card to vote. Mm-hmm. Am I going to vote for Atiku? Mm-hmm. Am I going to vote for Tinumbu? I can tolerate to be, but I may refuse to vote for him. But because, because what happens is, but if I create my own list, you understand? Mm-hmm. My own personal list. Mm-hmm. And I say, Jibri Ibrahim, Jega, I can create a list of 30 people. I will say, okay, I can vote for any of them mm-hmm. from their track records. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. That at least they will create vision. Mm-hmm. At least they will say, okay, we are not going to steal your money. Mm-hmm. At least they will say, we will meet you have the way in terms of a development agenda. Mm-hmm. But no list is presented before <coughs> me. Yeah. Yeah. Understand? Yes. I can say, had party told me to the list. Yes, I'm very comfortable. Yes. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so this is actually a moment perhaps to segue into so we have elections coming up in Nigeria in just a little over a month. And for a lot of people, the idea is that this is the most consequential election in Nigeria's history, that Nigeria has come to a really bad place uh, over the eight years that Muhammad Buhari has presided as president that insecurity, violent attacks, terrorist acts have really been democratized in our space and that there is hardly a space in Nigeria that can boast of uh, a sense of stability and security. That the government has come to a place where it frequently has to borrow money to meet its recurrent obligations. Uh, to borrow money to pay its own debts, uh, which has become, in a sense, such an oxymoron. Um, so given that, as a historian, do you see this moment in this same kind of grand rhetorical play with which some Nigerians describe it? Are you a bit more... Uh, sanguine about uh, the moment that we're in now. And then I have a follow-up question about the presidential candidates and so on. Okay, let me start in 1462. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Before you are gone. Mm -hmm. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm excited, yeah. man. Just a few, a, few, a few months before I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and the ship came the bite of Biafra, bite of Benin. Mm -hmm. The ship was named Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's the name of the ship, by the way. That yes. Jesus, Jesus mm -hmm. of the back. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then they carried people, and you are crying because mm -hmm. you are going to cry because mm -hmm. you've never seen it for the first time. Mm -hmm. That human beings could be chained, and then you won't see them again. Mm. You are going to. It, it's just going to turn your emotions. Unless you are a rock, mm -hmm. without any feeling. And then you cry, you cry. And then you do what people do. You begin to curse. Mm -hmm. Whoever did this, God will punish them. Mm -hmm. And then you face out your generation. Mm. You don't see the end. Another generation came. They repeated the curse. None of you, 1462, 1562, 1662, saw the end of that problem. But you thought the problem would go away. There's a theory, we call it the theory of wishful thinking. In that theory of wishful thinking, you imagine decadence, decay, institutional collapse, so many things about a people and a society and you think they will just disappear magically mm -hmm. in that wishful thinking you begin to do what they did before the 15th century in another land the land of islam mm -hmm. By the time of the fourth caliph, they were looking for a messiah. Mm -hmm. 
they said, this Messiah will come. Bear in mind, Muhammad himself was a Messiah to reform Judaism and Christianity. Mm -hmm. There was peace. By the time we got to the third caliph who wrote the Quran, you know, they, they killed him. The fourth caliph, Ali, some people call it the origin of what we now call soccer. They kill him, they beheaded him, they cut off his, his arms and legs, and they were using the legs to kick his head. Mm. You understand? Mm. And the Shiite movement emerged, and they were looking for a messiah. Do you know that messiah has not come? Mm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Some fake messiahs and <laughs> come. Some had been successful, like Amadi, who created Amadiya, mm -hmm. and some other things. Where am I going with this? I think Nigerians have this thinking that when things get bad, there's going to be a solution, forgetting that things can get worse. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Every president has been worse than his predecessor. Mm. Mm. So, you may not like Obasanjo, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you cannot compare him with Jonathan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's true. And you cannot compare him with Buhari. You know? That's true. Who told you that the next president is not going to be worse than Buhari? Mm. It's an illusion, mm -hmm. you understand? Mm -hmm. And the earlier they recognize that, the better for them. Mm -hmm. That societies can actually keep degenerating mm -hmm. and keep degenerating mm. and keep degenerating. The second, which you find in all missionary journeys, the history of prophets, mm -hmm. and you can start one century AD the creation of all the disciples. Mm -hmm. What ended, what happened to all the disciples? Not different from what happened to their masters. Mm -hmm. You know, the, most of them came to a very brutal ending, just as Jesus Christ was crucified. Yes. They killed many of them. <laughs> and they executed some of them. You understand? Where am I going with all this? We have this moment that this Messiah will just come. Suppose that Messiah just come. But that Messiah in form of a president, right? Giving the existing structure and institutions cannot do many things. Mm -hmm. There yeah. is no president of Asu Rock mm -hmm. who can tell a governor not to steal money. Mm -hmm. Because it is not his money. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. There is no president in Asu Rock who can tell the police officer not to collect bribe on the street. Mm. Is not going to. You can make all the statements you want. Then, who's going to listen to you? 
Because it's the institutions and structures that produce these practices. Yes. And until we fix those institutions and fix the structures, a salvation does not lie in Asura. Yeah. A contrary argument is that you need leaders to fix institutions. No problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No problem. Yes. But is there a collective norm that exists in contemporary society to create those institutions? Your driver and your mechanic, they collude each time you repair your car. Mm -hmm. Any invoice they give you to fix anything in your house is overinflated. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. Anybody with a form of power in Nigeria converts that power into an advantage. Mm -hmm. What do you bring for me? Mm -hmm. From the custom officer. The police are. Your boys are loyal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So, how do we, how do we collectively say we need to fix these broken institutions, mm -hmm. and we we need to fix those structures, mm -hmm. because it is beyond the capacity of just one president to do. Yes. So, at some point in time you and I have to begin to rethink this, this very structure and institutions. To what extent can we build communal spaces that are empowered? To what extent can we capitalize the poor <laughs> doing small trade, small businesses? <laughs> and what mechanism can we use to transfer power to more women? And reform the domestic spaces, reform market spaces. And these are far greater challenges because this political elite is reproducing itself. They're just reproducing themselves, and they are reproducing themselves. They are not on top of the game. They are not reforming the institutions. They are not reforming the structures. And until we do all these major institutional reforms, structural reforms, one person in combination with his cabinet, they can try their best, but the end result will still be disappointing. Mm -hmm. Before you ask the question, I was going to say, there's something okay always says that he puts it like um, the Nigerian leader at the time of, at the time he has to leave or she leaves office, mostly he's, ensures that they, they make sure by all account that they select somebody that is worse. Worse. <laughs> just what you were saying. Just, yeah. <laughs> but so it, it becomes mediocrity, mandating, a, a deeper level of mediocrity, really. Yeah. yeah, but but let me sort of, and I think you did the sort of the, the pushback yourself by uh, speaking about the agency, the potential of, of, of a leader. 
to to begin to uh, move the nation in the direction of changing the structures and, and the conventions and the norms. Um, so so the, the other question I have to ask you, I mean, clearly, this is a point I've made on this podcast numerous times, right? That there is this, in some quarters, exaggerated expectations that if a certain candidate wins, Nigeria is going to turn into an ideal society. <laughs> and I've been at pains and I've received a lot of abuse uh, by telling people that um, you, you, you are likely to be in for a shock. You yes, know, um, I remember just eight years ago, nine years ago, when Buhari was running for president and was waving a broom in the air and saying, change, change. And famously, I did an interview on Ben Television in London. I did an interview uh, here in the States where I said to people, waving a broom is not a vision, is not a manifesto, is not a program of action. It's actually a very jejun and in the end childish gesture to wave a broom a broom means nothing and people are saying change 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 i said what are we changing into and what is the mechanism for achieving that change um and some of us were shut down you know some of us were told that you know, we were willing willers and so on and so forth. You know, I was a big critic of Jonathan, but people felt that I was defending Jonathan simply by telling them that Buhari had not defined the vision of where he wants to take Nigeria and how he's going to get there. So eight years later, some of those who were most vociferous in those attacks have become um, uh, chastened <laughs> and have become some of the most strong critics of Buhari. But Having said all of that, is it, how do we achieve this restructuring, this um, retooling of our norms, uh, the acquisition of different, more positive, more development-directed um, norms and conventions? How do we, for that matter, um, how, how do we, is there, is there any political party currently? So sort of to reduce the question, is there any political party in the space currently in Nigeria that gives you a little hope that perhaps they understand what it must take and that perhaps they're going to move the nation in the direction of changing everything that needs to be changed? Political parties in Nigeria are actually not political parties before. The way we define political That's parties true. in terms of contestation over visions and ideology. Mm -hmm. Political parties in Nigeria are agglomerations of ambitious individuals and warlords who want to use the political parties for their own specific interests. Mm -hmm. So that's the first point. The second point is politics is a full-time career in Nigeria. Mm. When a politician wakes up in Nigeria, 
He doesn't have a job. <laughs> His main job is meetings. You understand? Yeah. It's just going to meetings and meetings, another meeting and meetings. So, and their livelihood is dependent on that power. That's just the means of their livelihood. So that dislodging them from that power becomes a problem by itself. Even at the local government, if somebody loses an election at the local government level, and you pass him by and say, Honorable, sorry, oh, <laughs> it will cost you. Your life not go better. <laughs> <laughs> and in some cases, what you are going to see next is, is his obituary. Yep. <laughs> because he's borrowed money, he's invested everything, he's engaging conflict with families and friends. And as far as his concern, losing that election is basically the end of his life, the end of his ambition, the end of his goal. So, are these political parties agents of agencies of transformation? None has ever been. Very for some moment, APC, NCNC, AG, fifties. They are projecting themselves as instruments of transformation. Talking about the creation of universities that we spoke about before, building roads, the industrial estates, and things like that. But the current political parties, that is not their mandate. The broom is not a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not their mandate. Their, their mandate is to is to have allocation of power on the basis tribal elites and having allocated that power to use that power for purposes of getting what you can do. And you have to give them credit in terms of the they're very clever. Mm. Because these positions are many. The prime ones, Ports Authority and MPC, we all know, Minister of Finance. But they've created so many agencies that there is money. You can even become the chairman of Council of the University. And you they're making money. Yes. <laughs> Collecting some of the budgets of the university. Hmm. Forcing the vice chancellor to give it to you. Mm. You know how many, so many parastatas, ministries of fresh fish, ministry. Of... <laughs> ministry of fresh fish. <laughs> of ministry of point and kill. <laughs> By the way, you know it exists. Oh, yeah. It does. <laughs> Yes. There's so many mm -hmm. that if, if you count the number of um, parastatas on our Greek, there's so many. Mm. The parallel institutes doing the work of universities. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, or creating positions for people within the states. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, I always reference this your your reference in your book. Rent seeking, rent seeking opportunities. Yes, <laughs> I love that reference. For that. <laughs> I love that reference for that even. Right. So, so that's what political parties do, and that's why they have to fight bitterly for it. Mm-hmm. That there must be something for you. Mm-hmm. So, by April, people will stop going to Asoro Rock to see Buari. They won't be going to him anymore Mm-mm. because it's not going to be the one distributing the like, yes. Yes. Whoever wins after him, whoever is going to occupy power in May, that's the person everybody yes. is going to attack. We'll go to yeah because that's the person who is going to say you are going to be my minister. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've been living in the U.S. for so long. You've been my ambassador. <laughs> 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 So, so, let me, do you have a read? Do you have, I'm sure that you've been following the campaigns, um, especially the presidential campaigns uh, in the February 25 elections. Do you have a sense of the candidate that has, potential or how it's likely to end perhaps a runoff or do you have yeah i am addicted to making that calculation yes yes (laughs) obi is shot by four states to become the country's president by four states states, Mm -hmm. on the most generous of my calculations Mm -hmm. and i do not know how he's going to get from those four states Mm -hmm. obi will be short of attaining 25% in 12 states, which are real state. In 12 states. By my own calculation. Mm-hmm. I will give him 11 states. Just give him. Mm-hmm. I will give him the entire Southeast and South-South. Call those 11 states. But that still is not going to make him the president of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I will even be generous and give him 25% in Lagos. Mm-hmm. But I still will not give him the 24 states that he needs. Mm-hmm. I think... How, how about Benue and Plateau? I've given him those. Okay, you have. That's still why it's shot by four states. Okay. It's still shot by four states. Mm-hmm. After all my generosity of giving him the states with large Christian population. Mm-hmm. He's still shot by four states. Mm-hmm. By the constitution of the country. Mm-hmm. So, bear in mind, anywhere where Ubi does well, it means article fails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I give him those 11 states, Atiku has already lost 11 Those 11 states, yeah. You understand? Because you can have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I cannot say I'm not giving Obi South, South, and Southeast, but I will give them to Atiku. Mm-hmm. 
That's not an analysis. Yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. And once I give up all those states, including Benway you mentioned, I think was lost an election. Mm-hmm. Which remains Tinumbu. You understand? Mm-hmm. Historically, I think other than one Abiola moment, Aula mm-hmm. was able to get because all our strategy was middle belt, mm-hmm. your people and Yoruba people. Mm-hmm. That was how he, he gave up on the north. Mm-hmm. He even wrote it down mm-hmm. that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But it could be build a coalition of the middle belt, your people mm-hmm. and Yoruba people. Mm-hmm. That was the way he was doing his own electoral So, if we go on traditional voting pattern, Mm -hmm. which may be altered by the insurgency of the movement, but I'm assuming that that insurgency may not deliver the votes, this is just an assumption. Mm -hmm. If Tunumbo clears the traditional Southwest, Mm -hmm. it's going to get Kogi. And it's going to get quarter. Mm-hmm. You understand? What he now needs to acquire victory is those Sharia states. Mm-hmm. In those northern states, they've made a very strategic calculation. That Muslim Muslim ticket, as bad as it looks, is very strategic. Mm. Because what it does is to virtually ensure their consolidation in, the Sharia, in those 12 states. Mm-hmm. It just ensures it. Mm-hmm. Because the whispering which they want to take is that they are voting for two Muslims. That's how they whisper. Mm-hmm. And in choosing Shetima, the strategic game was to weaken Atiku's northeast base. That's very clear. Because now the Kanuri area is gone. It's not going to get anything. It's gone. So maybe Adamawa, where it comes from. And his votes have been declining over the years, uh, which now leaves us with the Northwest, in which, let's say they split it. Let's they, let's say they share the Northwest. Tinumbu is still win. How can Obi get any of the Sharia states? I think their calculation may be not to get any of them. Their calculation may be where can they get 25%? And they can be looking at Kaduna State, Southern Kaduna. They can be looking at Nasarawa. But they're just areas they have to forget. In fact, if I were him, I would not even waste money. 
to go and campaign. Yes. In yes. Because they're not going to happen. Yes. But, yeah, a place like Kano, though, Pankwazo is uh, a strong... It's split into three. Mm -hmm. It's split into three. Mm -hmm. So, before this election, mm -hmm. before that split, Nigerian electoral map is skewed in favor of three states. Mm -hmm. Kano, Lagos, and Rivers. Mm -hmm. That's where you get your majority vote. Yes. Remember, the last election, Kano waited for Rivers to declare his number. Before they declared yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. So, one... The, one thing I do not know is the ability to manipulate that machine. Mm -hmm. But anywhere in the world, there are abilities to, to rig elections. One, you do not let the machine get there. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. In time, mm -hmm. you understand? Mm -hmm. Which they did in a place like Ocean State. Mm -hmm. So that's likely to happen. Because mm -hmm. you have to close an election. You have to close at the end, mm -hmm. even when people are in line, you understand. But you can refuse, you can, your talks can delay when the voting starts. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. If the voting is to start at 10, mm. they can delay it at 12. Mm. What does it mean? You take machete and scare some people mm -hmm. in areas where you think you are not going to vote. Mm -hmm. Second, you can deny your opponent of 25% mm -hmm. through Tom printing that machine. You know? Yeah. Because no machine is foolproof. Mm -hmm. And then specific vote buying, mm -hmm. which leads me to the to the arguments they were making against to be that he has no structure. Social media is a structure for campaign. Mm -hmm. And he succeeded in that. But social media is not a structure for ele election rigging. Mm -hmm. It is party structures that rig elections mm -hmm. conventionally. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that have mastered the act of mobilizing people. Mm -hmm. Amejiri here, mm -hmm. market women there, because that's what we call party structure, which, mm -hmm. which they also do in the U.S. Mm -hmm. That if you want blacks to vote for you, you have to go and buy Kentucky fried chicken. And, <laughs> and you have to go and collect them in buses. Mm -hmm. That's Party structure mm -hmm. because if you don't take the even in the last election, all my cars were mobilized mm. to go and take people to go and vote. Mm. My children did that, they just grabbed my car and said, We're going to this place to carry for people to go and vote. That's what we call party structure. On the day of Nigerian presidential election, mm -hmm. to man 175 votes. You need 1.5 billion naira. Mm. Wow. Yes. One day expenditure. Wow. You have to pay your togs. 
You have to provide food for the police. <laughs> you have to move people to the election. Yes. The, what they call campaign will end very shortly. That's just rallying. You understand? Mm -hmm. just, it is the rallies that you are stopping. But the forces that win for you an election will begin mm -hmm. like two weeks before. Mm -hmm. The politics of whispering. Emirs and the King of Lagos, through the hierarchies of chieftaincy system that the British created decades ago. You know those are there. Mm -hmm. Begin to tell the person, your people, whom to vote for. In the South, with Western education, that becomes more difficult. But it's not difficult in many states in the North. Mm -hmm. It is not. The Emir asked me to tell you to vote for. That comes in the last few days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Market women. This is the person, the head of the market wants us to vote for. Mm -hmm. that, that is what is called party structure. Mm -hmm. And for you to deliver this message, this is the Ghana must go mm -hmm. that you give to your members. Mm -hmm. And, and you, don't, you don't think that there has been a deconstruction of that norm, that in other words, Nigerians have come to a place where they say, we have suffered too much and we are no Very longer good. going to... Uh, we're no longer going to uh, to hack and to such. That. Hmm? Unfortunately, you know the people you call Nigerians. Mm -hmm. Yes. If I break down the states, they are going to, to win. Mm -hmm. They are still around. They are still along the tribal tripod. Hmm. But but to happen on that, even in yes. Yoruba areas, so, right? Yes. We're talking of an oil. Oyo historically yes. has now been marginalized in the modern Yoruba context. Yes. Um, I'm not saying they are victims or anything. I'm just saying we know in the modern Yoruba context, yes. it's gone on and on. It went on through Chifawolo and all that. Isn't there a possibility of Tinubu not winning Oyo? Same with Ad 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 Taraba as well, the Jukums, the Thieves, um, all these places. There is history behind your statement. Mm -hmm. Remember, in CNC was as if it was winning among the Yoruba mm, yes. clusters. Mm. Remember, the MPN did well. You remember that? Yes. Very good. So that fourth line among the Yoruba remains. You understand? Mm -hmm. Or could it deliver total victory? Can it deliver 25%? Yes. Mm. Can it deliver total victory? It's doubtful. Mm. Because that traditional fault line has been there since, like, since the 50s. Mm -hmm, the late 50s, at least. When, were, when the woman shopping will vote at Kintola and not the Olo. Yes. That was survived. That has been there mm -hmm. and is still there. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. But ground that is still there, right? Is it enough? for a total majority to carry the state, or can it give you 25%? Yes, 
you can collect 25%. Mm. You are absolutely correct. What I do not know, you say, there's a problem with how these things are structured. Do you know? Hundred million votes. Are you aware? Hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Mm. You know. Well, I didn't know that. You know, did not have one million votes in Lagos. Mm. Wow. Forty million. How many votes do you think people? How many votes do you think bring bring produce governors in Nigeria? Yeah. Wow. It's it's a scandal. I mean, yeah. You know. It, in Anambra State, it was like a hundred and something thousand for the winning governor. Yes. Yeah. Do you know the number is so small? You say you when I say Obi will carry southeast. Do you know that those are not more than like three million votes? I know yes. that is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. And and the, the the cancellation of votes in the southeast and the south south was the highest in the country as well. So that even makes it worse. That's still going to happen mm -hmm. because of violence mm. and threat of violence. That's right. So, and that's why Kano Rivers, Rivers produ produces one point something million votes. Mm. Kano produces one point something million votes. Mm. And those... I mean, those, by the way, just as an aside, the whole idea of Kano having a larger population than Lagos is something that I find to be absolutely incredible. So you have to start with the census of the 50s and the 60s. Yep. Because, and they are go you know, Nigerians like to deceive itself. We're going to have another census in April. Mm. And everybody knows, Kano has more local governments than, than, than any left in the country. You understand? So the vote... Because... Again, politicians know what they are going to derive from this census in terms of allocation. Mm -hmm. So they trigger the mechanism to increase the numbers, mm -hmm. which they will do come April. Mm -hmm. uh, in 25, 28 years' time, Nigerian's population at its current projection mm -hmm. is 450 million. <laughs> So our problems are even yet to start. To start, yeah. So when they do this census, if they don't abort it, I'm expecting that they tell us we're 300 million or something like that. Hmm. Because all of them will just know the inflation. inflation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so create new local gov mm -hmm. new local governments. Mm -hmm take more locations from the center. Mm -hmm. let, let me, let me uh, given your projection uh, that perhaps Tinubu is a front runner uh, in this election, and I su suspect that you suggest that he's going to win in the first ballot, that he's not going to go into a I don't, run. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But let's, 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 let's imagine that Tinubu um, becomes the uh, president-elect.
have you followed what uh, would seem to some of us to be a clear case of uh, mental and mental, cognitive decline and physical, you know, degradation in the matter. challenges. Yeah, and 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 so if that if you have seen it, how do you imagine that affecting the mood of Nigeria and the prospects of Nigeria for the next four years and perhaps eight years? that he could be president. In pidgin English, they would say, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not correct language. I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. Yes. Because you are confusing politics with governance. Yes. You are you are assuming that the purpose of politics is to deliver development. Yes. It is not so. Mm. It can deliver failure. You understand? Mm. Fundamentally, you can use power to create state capture. Mm. And state capture is a phenomenon in which a few people look at the resources of the nation and meet behind your back outside of your podcast and say, Maker, yours is Sanfara Gold. The person who has articulated that model is actually article. Hmm. Because he believes in it fundamentally. Mm-hmm. That why don't you dispose of the University of Ibadan? And that's who will leave us alone. Okay, we die. Yes. He can pay them. Yes. We are not their employer. Yes. This is our problem. <laughs> so, Tinubu will produce state capture. You understand? Mm. And in that phenomenon of state capture, which you find Ramaphosa in South Africa, in which, okay, these are the highlights of economic centers in the Republic. Mm-hmm. Why can't we allocate segments to specific people? Mm. And maybe they would deliver. If it does state capture, you don't have to be healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to say the remaining oil blocks, I'm giving it to people from my states. Mm. Mm. Nigeria has two sources of wealth NMPC. I'm giving it to governor of central bank will be managed by. So when you do state capture, right? It is not a physical exercise Mm. that is demanding. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. It is just a mental exercise Mm -hmm. that you can accomplish. 
even in your spiritual bed in London. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, even I'll say Nigeria is a youthful population, 200 million people. You need an energetic president, all well and good. But that is a development model you are producing. Mm -hmm. They kill some people in Bauchi. I want to go and sympathize and visit them. State capture, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Or I want to supervise the infrastructure. Look, how many ministers have Buhari supervised? Sometimes he does not even remember the names of his ministers. Mm -hmm. It took him a while to remember the name of his vice president. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> of, of his political party, even the main of... I've never seen a, a state where it's maximum security prison in Abuja. Mm -hmm. It's sacked by, by terrorists. And the Minister of Interior Affairs... Ralph Harebway retains his job. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it, you know, he has only gotten rid of one minister. Yeah. In eight years. Oh, this lady. Ooh, this the, the, lady. There's a the youth call lady. Yes. Okay. One of them, I want you to. Yes. Oh. Mm -hmm. He doesn't police you. He mm -hmm. doesn't. Is, yeah. is, is it, I think the Minister of Sports, the former the Minister yeah. of Sports in his first Shichu. Yes. Something mm -hmm. Shichu. How many ministers did he sack? Mm. In, in, in the typical analysis of African politics, the big man. Mm -hmm. You won't call him a big man. Mm -hmm. But he follows a vicious model. Yeah. Not via the agency of the big man. Who is coming to kill you? Mm. What What do you think? There's this There's this wild card that I've always had. I've always, you know, I, you know, we, we can see the structure he laid out is is actually very accurate. But there's a wild card which happened in the last elections: a switch from Tinubu as the front runner to the governors in the north switching to an article. You know that has been suggested. But we will not know this until two weeks to the election. Because you are talking about internal conversations within the party. Now, there are two ongoing criticisms that Asso Rock is not funding Tinumbu's campaign. I think that is a public. I think members of the public say that, that the federal government... It's not, even that Buhari seemed a reluctant campaigner. It's not funding. Mm -hmm. And second, he did not want to campaign. Mm -hmm. But he brought him out. Mm -hmm. In bringing him, bring him out, we do not know whether that is a signal. Do you understand? Suppose there's a switch. I don't think that switch can produce Atiku as the country's president. Mm. In fact, Obi has a better chance than Atiku. Mm. Obi is likely to actually have more votes than Atiku. Mm -hmm. 
even if they do that switch. Mm-hmm. Because that switch is not going to affect the sound. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is the problem. Mm-hmm. You can't you can go to the Atlanta of Ibuland now and say vote for it. They have their own song. So if if OB is a spoiler in the final analysis, the damage will be more, in my opinion, to Atiku than to Tinobu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You will spoil both of them, there's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. But the casualty, in my own calculation, and you know, politics is a 24 hour opinion, you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you play this podcast in the month. <laughs> <laughs> We, we could e- we we could either look prophetic <laughs> or dumb. For the segment of electoral calculation, mm-hmm. it is all just what I know as a the time I am talking mm-hmm. to you. Yes, because there are big elephants in the room. Sure. Let me announce that Tinumbu collapsed at the last rally mm-hmm. in Lagos. Mm-hmm. That changes the dynamic. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, 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 the dynamics of health, mm-hmm. the dynamics of somebody collapsing in a campaign, mm-hmm. the dynamics of the switch that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that switch can cannot be produced by article. Mm-hmm. It can only be produced by emirs in combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, the kings and, and the, the owners of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The owners of Nigeria. Emirs in London. Yes. Good, good book. The businessmen and the military. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they meet, they can do the switch. Mm. Do you think the military is still a factor in Nigeria? Why do you think they go to Babangida with uh, people that's right. and they go to Obasanjo all the time? Why do you think they even bother people that they should allow them their peace, like Yeradua's mother? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's something, isn't it? Yep. So let me let me because you've been quite generous with your time, um, mm-hmm. and I'd like to sort of conclude my last couple of questions on to return to your personal practice as an intellectual, as a historian, as a Nigerian, as an African. Um, so there is this phenomenon of the brain drain, yes, out of Nigeria, out of Africa that in some ways, the best that we have to offer um, now are located outside of Nigeria and Africa. Um, Do you have practical suggestions? And I know that you said something about uh, spending half of the year effectively in Nigeria, going back to your roots. But on a broader level, do you have practical suggestions for how to reverse the negative effects of, of the brain drain uh, across various disciplines and uh, 
professions uh, in Nigeria and Africa? So, Africa has been a continent of movements. Mm -hmm. That is how it's been constituted mm -hmm. for a long time. The area of Cameroon, Nigeria, produced a Bantu movement that ultimately led to what we call Southern African places like that. And internal migrations are common. When Boutros Ghali was sacked as Secretary of the United Nations, he was looking for something valuable to do with his time. And he set up the Afro-Arab Summit, of which once in a while I was drafted into. Mrs. Mubarak was a host. Around that region alone, two million people move in a year. Remember Palestinians doing manual labor. So we have massive internal movements. Then 13.5 million between the 15th and the 19th century, they moved. Their muscle power was needed. And then we had small number, diaspora of colonization. And beginning from the Nigerian Civil War, the number began to increase. Somalia, moving to Minnesota, part of Boston, Liberia. Sierra Leone, Ethiopia, Eritrea. So, those movements have been there. Are they going to stop? They won't stop because of the demand supply push factor. The specific segment of your interest has kills. brain power. The previous one was muscle power. And now we have brain power thrown into academic plantations. Because there are different forms of plantations. One is just enforced and the other is voluntary. Can you stop it? No. Because Individuals look for the best for themselves in society. All societies where they think they can use their skills to maximize their own earnings and potentials. That's one side. Second, where they are going, they are not doing them a favor. Canada is not doing anybody a favor. U.S. is not doing any Nigerian a favor. U.K. looking for school teachers and doctors is not doing anybody a favor. They are meeting the contingencies of their own labor shortage. Mm -hmm. Today, there's a the massive labor shortage of IT in Germany. They are very generous towards our people. And they are having declining population. Part of what we call the abortion debate in the U.S. 
People don't understand that debate very well. It's to say white people produce more kids. <laughs> so that you are not going to become minorities in your country. So there's that demand sector, which is not going to stop until the need for that labor reduces. But there are shortages in low-level jobs in medical fields, shortages in low-level jobs, security and cleaning. These are massive shortages. In the state of Texas, Austin is a full employment city where I live. We don't have people to do small jobs. They would ask you for $20 an hour. They are looking for thousands of people to manage children with disability, all forms of disability. So the consequences now, which is not what we are talking about, is that Africa is now a major supplier of technical aids to the U.S. and to Europe. We are the one actually giving them AIDS. It's not the other way around. Yes. <laughs> and we continue to give them AIDS. Can we mitigate this crisis? You can only pay salaries to the extent of revenues you generate. Mm -hmm. Even when you eliminate corruption, how much can Mali pay people? How much can Ghana pay people? Even if you eliminate corruption, how much can Nigerian pay people? And for as long as you are not able to pay mm -hmm. people, and they understand how much they hand in other places, mm -hmm. they will continue to go. Can you do Castro, the Castro model under Cuba? Mm -hmm. What did he do? Your certificate is in his pocket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And until he released a certificate, you could not leave the country. Mm -hmm. Now, Nigeria has lost that argument in various ways mm -hmm. because we now produce Nigerians that the state has not funded their education in nursery, mm -hmm. the state has not contributed to their elementary school, the state did not contribute to their high school, and the state did not contribute to their university education. Mm -hmm. Do you know we now have Nigerians like that? Mm. Yes. If you go to Convenant, you are born in Babcock. Mm -hmm. From elementary nursery to PhD is within your campus. And the Ogun State Government or the Federal Government did not contribute anything. It's your parents who paid for it. Can we say your parents paid for education and you cannot go to UK? We cannot say that. What about those who are now funded with Madame Fudu University, University of Ibadan? Now they can begin to say, we're the one who sent you to school. 
women do what they do. Maybe to those that the federal and state government sent to school, maybe they can say, give us your service for three years. Similar to extending the youth call for them. They do similar things in the U.S. Okay, we'll forgive you your loan. If you're a doctor, you can go and work in a rural area. Maybe they can come up with those kind of incentives. Now, diasporas are complicated in developing the homeland. We have the successful case of Israel. Some people will argue, maybe the only successful one and which is diaspora defined it, lobbied for it to receive the largest annual donations and sustain it through pilgrimages and visits and tourism. It doesn't have a cash flow problem. Africans were now witnessing remittances. And you could see where those remittances are heavy as in southern Nigeria, you can see the impact on the landscape. Mm -hmm. And you can see places like Gambia, where its own annual revenue is like 250 million, or the remittance is about 600 million. Wow. You can see it in Kevad Valley, where the citizens who live outside are responsible for many of those mansions. And the remittances produce substantial wealth. If the state is non-corrupt and if it's running well, they can, they can create diaspora tax. Not a big amount of money. Like Jamaica, you are home to bury your mom. Welcome to immigration. You've collected your luggage, but you cannot leave the airport until you give us $200. <laughs> Has that been done? It was only two years ago that China actually abolished that. Wow. If you train abroad and you are going back, you have to pay $3,000. Uh, wow. Yes. Huh. But they've stopped it. Because the number that leaves China is similar to the number that re-enters. Wow. Yeah. So there's no need to use force. Um, and if the state is less corrupt, they can do what they're doing now, diaspora bonds, diaspora funds, and people are committed to the development of the country. And, you know, communities will come up over time to tap into these resources because we are not permanent immigrants. We are transnationalists. The problem is that we are funding American companies. Anytime you travel Delta, imagine that is Nigerian Airways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine that is peace airways that you are giving that three thousand dollars to, and they are spending it to create jobs in Nigeria, to fix the airport, 
but their own inefficiencies are also reducing what they can make from this. But as transnationalists, anybody who goes to Nigeria once a year, that's an inflow of $10,000. <laughs> you go to a village, you do welcome parties, send off party, you're building a house, you are developing that community through consumption, through investments, through gifts. A funeral by a successful person in Houston who wants to bury his parents. That's an inflow of 40,000 US dollars to Abriba. <laughs> 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 so, so that inflow means that we have things to mitigate them so but you know there are not not all skills will damage the country some you can quickly produce them you can quickly produce nurses and technicians some you cannot quickly produce like PhDs professors, uh, doctors. You cannot quickly manufacture those. So we also have to disaggregate. I don't worry if somebody makes, fills his work, half nine or subjects. Let him leave the country. I don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a better fortune for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better fortune, you understand. But I worry about the cardiologists. I worry how many neurosurgeons we have. I worry about those people. So well, we also have to disaggregate and say, in these areas of need, this is what we have to do. Areas that are very, very, very difficult. I, you can. I don't worry so much about the humanities because within six years of serious work and dedicated work, you can produce 100 PhDs and recirculate them very quickly. Babcock produced one, like 170 this last year. Wow. But there are some I worry about. I mean, producing a cardiologist, I mean, Producing a pathologist, producing a neurosurgeon, I will worry. What I'm saying is we still have to disaggregate and say in these areas that require heavy training, slow processes, serious apprenticeship, what can we do to mitigate? Thank you. There, there can be no success without successors. <laughs> And part of um, the mistakes we make is our failure to reproduce back home. That communities must reproduce. Our organic communities, they reproduce. And in reproducing not just children, reproduction of institutions, 
reproductions of kingship, kingship values, even reproduction of witches, which we need. <laughs> to make a living you understand because without witches they won't make their own money mm. but there are let, let, let me use this book this is my latest book it's a massive book it's on refugees mm -hmm. it's very massive so there are various models of doing scholarship wow this took seven years to put together. And data from Sierra Leone and Liberia, Rwanda, Nigeria, Central Africa, refugee pro producing areas. And I'm doing some other works on internally displaced people. And I'm part of a team that is tracking the movement of people through footpaths and roads. For instance, near me to Sokoto is nearer than Sokoto to Lagos. And they are tracking it. There's a theme of Malian traders in Lagos, ancient ways of doing things and how we can revive them. Some projects, by their very nature, like this refugee book, they are collaborative. In other words, you have to pull resources to do them, like a mapping Lagos Ibadan Road, looking at what people do along the streets, more churches than businesses. So you you need field assistance and you need collaboration. That's one area. Second, when we started our career, we were not grant-oriented scholars. And some of us grew from the tradition that why are you criticizing the West and asking them for money to fund your research? And some of us have remained consistent with that tradition. When you are consistent with that tradition, you must develop the agencies of collaborations. My forthcoming handbook is the handbook of Kenya, which I collaborated with two of my colleagues to write that two-volume massive handbook. Trips to Kenya, trips to the US. So that's one. The other one is a training process. It's sort of apprentice process in which you basically say, okay, you cannot reproduce this person unless you train the person. And then you have frontier scholarship. Frontier scholarship in which you alone cannot collect the data. I did a book, the very first one, on African islands. You know those tiny dots on the map? Comoros, Fernando Po, Sao Tome, Cape Verde. You need 
people who have been doing the research in those places to accumulate their data because the data does not speak to one another. The data is not speaking to one another. And I have the gift of accumulating many of those things in books like on disability, in which this person writes on the physically challenged in Zimbabwe, that person writes on homes for blind people in the Gambia, and you accumulate them. And you have my own anomaly, in which over the years I'm actually good in 11 disciplines. And I follow the conversations in them. I am at home in literature. You can do this entire interview on literature. And I will keep answering your question. This year I'm releasing two books on memoirs. I put together memoirs by Africans. And I wrote two books for them. Both will be released in April. So... And I'm releasing two books on social media. So, um, so you are 70, amazingly accomplished as a teacher, um, as a historian, uh, as an author. What challenges uh, have you set yourself for yourself in the future? What, where do you go from this place of tremendous achievement as a scholar? What are some of the goals that you've set for yourself that continue to, as it were? So I've already spent the next five years. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you've spent the years. <laughs> yeah. Because... So, can you imagine a person who held a meeting with a publishing house and say, give me a contract for 50 books? Ooh. Wow. 50 books. So, I signed a contract with Pargraves yeah. on handbooks. Oh, my God. Of different topics on Africa. Yes. So we've released the handbooks of colonial Africa, post-colonial Africa. We've released the handbook of Africa in the global world, handbook of African in war politics, handbook of African political economy. Mm. We released three volumes on handbooks of African women. Mm. I will be releasing shortly handbooks of african christianity we've released handbook of african islam handbook of african indigenous religions i'm not talking about 300 pages i'm talking about massive books wow that kind of expansive imagination means you are going to walk you are going to keep walking until you are dead <laughs> <laughs> And then I approached Cambridge to give me a contract on the history of Nigeria. Hmm. And I negotiated three volumes. Hmm. Volume, I started with volume three, oh. which is out, Understanding Modern Nigeria, hmm. Cambridge University Press, mm -hmm. 700 pages. 
You can Google the book after the interview. Yes. Understanding Modern Nigeria. And I've completed for them Understanding Colonial Nigeria in print. It will be 700 pages. Oh my gosh. Wow. And I will now move to Understanding Colonial Nigeria. Hmm. Can you imagine somebody who walks to a publishing house and say, let me write History of Nigeria in three volumes, over 2,000 pages. Wow. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Wow. So, so that one is there. And then I contracted with the University of Rochester Press, Decolonizing hmm. African Studies. The first volume is out. Wow. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Mm-hmm. It's 700 no, I pages. saw that one, yeah. I, I love that. But <laughs> then what I call edible studies, mm-hmm. hmm. which is going to be 700 pages. Oh, my gosh. So... In the next five years, even if you maximize my time and double it, I already have something to do. Wow. I, I have a few questions on, on that. Like, so yes. I know your original discipline is history. And yes, beyond that. Yeah, so I wanted you want to name the disciplines you have. Two, the question was always why. The question is always why history? You know, people... There are some, for those who listen later on, and there are people who are always like, yeah, you know, who cares about history? What does it matter? What matters is now. Mm-hmm. You know, all this, uh, I too sabi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the question is, why, do, why does history matter to a modern Nigerian? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they are right to pose a question. Oh, true. Actually, whenever they pose that question, I'm never offended. Mm-hmm. I'm never offended because it is one of the missions of a discipline to display its own relevance. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will become extinct or you become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Second, it is also the business of the nation to work on the promotion of that history. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, because they are saying they don't want Biafra, they don't want civil war, they abolish the study of history, which they are bringing back. Mm -hmm. You cannot have a degree in the state of Texas without doing Texas history Mm -hmm. and American history. So nobody will pose that question. And third, anytime, anywhere, where you do not have a diversified economy, most disciplines are useless. Mm. It's not just history. People will say, what do I do with being religious studies? What, what do you want me to do with being in English? They will even ask you, what is what do you want me to do with basic chemistry? It is not just history. Because the absorptive capacity of all disciplines is the diversified economy that you create where everybody can have a space to put the food on their table. Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to ask you that question if after having BA religious studies, there's a job for him to do. Mm-hmm. If you finish BA history, University of Abuja, and you can have a job, who's going to ask you that question? 
No, but you, you, the discipline becomes useless mm -hmm. because it can feed you. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. So, even in the U.S. Academy, how many disciplines are useful? Mm. Many of them are not useful mm -hmm. in terms of how they define it in Nigeria. Only five of them will give you a job. The most useful degree in the U.S. is engineering. Mm -hmm. Right now. You don't need a second degree. It is the most useful degree that if you enter the university, you can say, in four years' time, when I leave, I have a certificate to eat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> certificate to eat. <laughs> it's not a Nigerian phenomenon. Mm -hmm. People ask you the question to who in here in the U.S., what do I do with history? And then, to what extent do we inculcate skills? You know, you cannot disconnect skills from the way you train people. Check the training in the U.S. Check from the word go how excessive payments, high cost of labor, have forced you to be able to paint your house. Mm. I force you to fix your car. True manual, as people can fix their cars. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you want to say everything you want to fix in your car, you will call in people to do it. You will, you're wasting a lot of your money. Mm. So you, you find people saying, I can go and learn how to do something and use that to reduce the running cost, the maintenance cost of my house. Mm -hmm. And you see how, as people grow up in this system, you cultivate one skill or another as part of the school system. I think we're also reaching that in Nigeria, mm -hmm. that people are now maximizing their vacations. When I was on strike, Students were not stupid. They already know education is a scam. Partnership with their parents. Mm -hmm. So people are also changing and realizing that this degree is not going to unless we want to japa. Yeah. That if you are not careful with that degree, you are going to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> so, what other what other disciplines? I'm guessing you are good in like literature. You've already said that. That's true. I'm good in, I'm good in religious studies. Huh? I've written books on Shago, Eshu, which is my favorite gods of all time. Eshu, yeah. I've written on Yemaja, hmm. Orisha generally. I've done two recent books. I wrote one on religious beliefs. I released a book on sacred words. You know what sacred words are? In, in Yoruba mythology. Sacred words are in all religions. Oh, okay, yes. I think I have. Well, you can explain it, though. But, um, oh, you know what you say? The Lord is your shepherd and you recite mm -hmm. it. Before you enter the bus, taking you to the 
when I was young, I was taking a lot of Islamic medicine. Mm. They would write a passage of the Quran on tablets. Mm -hmm. They would wash it into a cup and I would drink it. Mm. Those are sacred words. Mm. And you know what we call incantation? Mm -hmm. Incantations are sacred words. Mm -hmm. Horses, conch incantations. Mm -hmm. These are sacred words. Mm -hmm. And these sacred words produce magic. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. Uh, without sacred words, Adiboye will not make money from you. <laughs> <laughs> because after, after praying for you, they become mysterious. Mm -hmm. And they turn you into confusion. <laughs> <laughs> They begin to mediate a relationship between you and I have forces. Mm -hmm. And those sacred words, you cannot interpret them. Mm -hmm. They have to be interpreted for mm -hmm. you. Because after those sacred words have been offered, mm -hmm. This sweat all over his body. Mm -hmm. His heart rate will now reduce. And I will say, Maker, <laughs> this is the message that God sent to me. Yes. Half of your salary, beginning from February 1, you should give to 25. <laughs> <laughs> Maka, you, 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 you didn't hear the sacred <laughs> what, what choice do I have? You didn't say that I have to come to Kenjibe. <laughs> well, I'll come and live in your house. No problem. There are plenty of books to read. Plenty the sacred say you should come to my house. You may be homeless for all you care. Sacred words allow priests, Abalis, mm -hmm. to become interpreters. Mm -hmm. You understand? They become interpreters with power superior to you. Mm -hmm. You find it in Sufism. Mm -hmm. All religions produce sacred words. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah, you go to a Jibia. You, you remember, yeah. Jesus Christ said, with faith, you can ask the mountain to shift. Mm -hmm. And it would. And it would. But it has to be preceded by sacred mm -hmm. words. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say that in English. Martin will say, call a walk. Go walk. Go So, oh my. Yeah, this has been a, <laughs> a really riveting. So let me. Oh yeah, I have, I have, I have. Before you get, sorry, sorry, so before you get there, mm -hmm. um, I just since you know, I, I believe like, um, um, Kennedy was one of the, if not the pioneer of um, African history or Nigerian history. Whether you had, because um, a lot of the people that came out of the Kennedy school have written very fantastic, have had great scholarships, have had written really 
fantastic works. Um, even um, um, Professor Banji Akinto, who I think has one of the best, if not the best, one of one of the best books. Uh, sorry, I hear you written a lot of books on your, <laughs> but one of the best books on Yoruba history. Okay, so so I wanted to find I, that I, that part I didn't know. I wanted to find out what might have been because I know you started off in Ife and all that. Okay, so if I'm not. If I'm not wrong, both of them studied under Kennedy. If I'm not wrong, yes, yeah, in the right. So he had all the benefits of the pioneer. I remember, in combination with being an administrator, university vice chancellor, at the time, uh, also a career diplomat as the ambassador of Biafra. Mm. And after his return, the chancellors of university. So the space of his control and activities mm -hmm. like half a century, you understand? Mm -hmm. And in various roles and responsibilities. But well, my favorite story is not about his contribution to academia. Mm. <laughs> it's about a park named after him. Mm. And the governor was walking by the park. And I, it's not my job to embarrass um, fellow Nigerians. Mm -hmm. You can find out this information by yourself. Mm -hmm. And the governor looked at the piece of land and said, uh-uh. Let's redistribute this land and um, put some mansions. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I'm guessing it happened. But the, but the good news is not a full animal who did it. Mm. <laughs> oh boy! So you can't accuse him of hating evil people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean not son who did yeah. it. <laughs> Oh I can imagine. <laughs> so that's fine. Oh. Internal cannibalism is it's, it's not enough. Internal cannibalism, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm find out the name, but um I think okay himself if he wanted to tell stories about this. He, he will he will get flustered right now. <laughs> he will get flustered with this guy. Yeah. That would be a wonderful story. Yes, how, yes. How, how you remove an iconic figure and say, let's use the Let's build mansions. <laughs> let's build mansions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a familiar story. You know, the, what used to be the zoo in Enugu, um, and so many other monuments in Enugu have disappeared. And yes, but, but elite behavior, mm -hmm. elite behavior, because is a mansion no more important than a lion? Of course, yes. It goes without saying. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a Rolls Royce on a bad road. Yes. Not better. Than, 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 a, than um, a tree in, in a park. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 
why don't you look at more women and more Lucio and more girlfriends mm -hmm. than looking at um, Iroko Tui yes. yeah. <laughs> together in an multicultural <laughs> gallery? Is Ikebe not more lovely? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what conversation can you generate yes. from a biscuit? Yes. Far better than look than hips and size forty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this are elite. This are elite behavior. Yes. The way you're elite. Thing yes. Will determine what you do with your space. That's true. That's true. If you go to Nigeria. And I take you to many cities. Suppose you don't love to drink. And suppose you are not interested in women. What are you doing in any Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That is, that is. What point. else is there to do? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Truth. What else is there to do? It's the truth. And, and, and you find, I remember years ago, I had a friend, um, who put, in, who put it in his head that the way to seduce women was to write a poem for them. So he composed a poem, and uh, any woman he was interested That's... in, after talking to her for a while, he said, oh, go and get a piece of paper. You just inspired a poem. And he'll yes. write for this woman a poem that he'd given to at least 50 other women. But he would tell each one that she just inspired the poem and um and often uh the women he gave the poems to he will be walking and see where they tore, tore up the piece of paper and threw the thing <laughs> on the floor and, and i could imagine them saying the poem will go chop <laughs> <laughs> you know and and you you sort of see this and I, I actually wanted to ask a question about it because for a scholar of your scope and ambition and productivity, you're producing all these books. You have a contract with one publisher to, to do 50 books on different facets of our, the African experience. And yet you and I come from a space where most people do not mock the idea of leisure reading, okay? Um, there's this uh, disciplinary bias where um, I remember just recently I, I, I posted about Ngugi's 85th birthday and um, on Facebook and somebody wrote, oh, I, I was on, in the science line, so I never read his book, but I remember hearing his name. And I'm saying that you are in science and that you wrote about this eloquently, that you are in science should not be an excuse for you not to read works of literature, should be no reason for you not to read works of history, autobiography, biography, right. philosophy, and so on. But you find that in Nigeria, and I, I would imagine in other spaces in Africa, that people say I'm an economist, so I can't read history. Um, my degree is in psychology, so I cannot read uh, um, a novel and so on. So for somebody like you who has been, who is so passionate and so committed and so entrepreneurial 
as a historian. How, what does it feel like to write for an audience that is essentially indifferent to the work that you do? Okay, all societies transmit knowledge. Mm -hmm. That is not a problem. Mm -hmm. Historically, we have been transmitting knowledge. Mm -hmm. In fact, so successful have we that we get marginalized. We are not credited. For instance, if you say the rate of illiteracy in Nigeria is very high. Mm. It is because you are not counting Ajami language. Mm. You are excluding Arabic. Mm -hmm. Because if you had them, the literacy rate is very, very high. Mm -hmm. It is what we are excluding. And Nigeria has an extensive reading public. Mm -hmm. This will shock your audience. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a population far more dedicated and conscientious than reading the Quran and the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. The problem you have is that they, you want them to read your book. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> what you want to do is to go and learn Quranic language. Yes. <laughs> and become an undecided imam. <laughs> so, I am very grateful. I love younger people. In fact, I speak lonely about younger people. Because they've created a revolution that we are not paying attention to. And I'm glad you brought this topic so that it allows me to close this conversation. And feel free to invite me some other time. Mm -hmm. It is not you and I that produce the successful Nollywood. And it's not the universities that produce them. Mm -hmm. One of the major cultural transformations was produced outside of the academia, outside of the university system. So successful that it is now the third biggest industry in the world. Mm -hmm. And it operates for the most part outside of the state and the corruption of the state. Mm -hmm. I teach in Hollywood. Mm. I marvel at him. I'm just, I'm writing a book on Korea for Lion. Oh, yeah. As we Yes. On what? Clear for the uh, the okay. um, yes. um, producer that has so many so many mm -hmm. really movies. I struggled for Tunikilani to get an honorary doctorate last December. Mm -hmm. I marvel at their creativity. Then we have a successful music industry mm -hmm. that has gone global, mm -hmm. and I will use four. Elements to illustrate. When Jerusalem was released in South Africa, mm -hmm. in one summer, it became the number one in the world mm. and the number one Zumba music. Mm. 
And by the time Kala Buelodila Mugalolo, if you want to land, land gently on a sofa. Mm. It's a mediocre poetry. Mm. Why became the number one music? You understand? This guy may end up winning his third Grammy. Uh, the superstar. Uh, boy. His name? Bonaboy. 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 Last last. <laughs> I don't last, know if you follow some of my... I've been using Nigerian slangs to write. I don't know whether you find Yes, last one. <laughs> I've written on Sabme Breakfast, two parts. I wrote on last last. Mm -hmm. I will release the last portion of last last. If you give me your your phone number, I'll add you to my WhatsApp so you can be getting... Okay, there. great. And I publish them in Premium Times and others. You know, you know Shakai, by the Yes. Way. If you don't know all these people, you are premium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashake has a lot of top, top yeah. uh, songs right now. Mm -hmm. So who did Bugao? That's the uh, Kiss, <laughs> Kiss Daniels. Kiss Daniels. Mm -hmm. And he followed up with another successful one. Well, Ashake's concert in London had to be cancelled. Mm. And in New York. Why? Too many subscribers. Whoa. So they cancelled? Yes, because there were just too many subscribers mm. who wanted to enter. Whoa. More, the audience was not big enough. The, the venue they were going to the use venue. wasn't... Um, yeah. Yes, they had to cancel. Otherwise, you know, there will be violence and riots. Mm. People may burn down the place. And then the revolution in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing one of yes. them. And I, everything I wear, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the design. Mm. I get involved in all the design of the clothes that I wear on my body. Mm. Because I'm also a mediocre artist. Mediocre, I can <laughs> scribble. <Yeah. laughs> so, extremely successful. So successful that is Ghana global attention. Mm -hmm. Well, those three ideas now begin to feed theories. Mm -hmm. Or people do not pay attention that they are feeding theories, that those creativity, that ability, extending the frontiers, expansion of innovations, produce notions of cos cosmopolitanism, produce ideas on Afropolitanism, you understand? Mm -hmm. By the time Selassie was writing Ghana Must Go, produce expansive notions on Afrofuturism. Mm -hmm. By the time you release Black Panther, mm -hmm. and you combine all this, you will see the repackaging of negritude, mm. of Pan-Africanism, mm. the conversion of what you and I use you do to do, replaced with technology. You understand? Mm -hmm. The conversion of the nobility of blackness mm -hmm. to new zones. And what I like at this very moment is the revisionism in aesthetics, mm -hmm. in which they are now saying, why don't you get voluptuous? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yes. <laughs> so a retreat from the European ethic of, yeah. of beauty. Who told you that the lean person is beautiful than me? Yeah, that can be huge. And you can see now the preference of male predators. Mm-hmm. Towards women who can attack them, not the men that they can attack. Yes. Because of their lightweight. Yeah. We lost we lost your voice. We lost your voice. Okay, so I, I just made a joke that everything I've been saying regarding this anatomy is just theoretical knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'll tell you something. You'd have to, you'd have to make that disclaimer to your wife. <laughs> and and, and I, have, I have an African-American friend so when my wife and I get into a playful argument, I will appeal to his authorities to settle for me. And he will say to me, my name is Bennett and I, I ain't in it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so so I, would, I wouldn't be there when you're making that disclaimer. And, and, and whatever happens to you, what doesn't happen. <laughs> well, such a such a delight, such a delight yes, to be at our first yes. guest. Um, uh, we we were going to interview Ngugi Wationgo. We were traveling to LA to do it. So, unfortunately, something happened and that didn't hap- um, end up happening. So you are such a generous man. Uh, you are such, um, you know, such a lively fellow. And, and I'm sure that our viewers will have a great time, and, but not just a great time, a time to learn, a time of illumination, uh, a time to see what it means for somebody to be a committed human and a passionate historian and intellectual. Thank you very much, Professor Falola, for yes, giving us... Thank you so much, distinguished author and writer. Okay, and thank you so much. Emeka. Thank you, sir. A, a modern historian, by the way. You know, yes. he's studying history. He's pursuing yes. his doctorate in history. I, I am I am looking forward to the, to the day I will get to collaborate with you. Hopefully, it will be sooner than later. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. God bless. Yes, sir.